I do not see how a situation where Raj is going to be managing Ireland before Paulie. Paul's next. Yeah. In my eyes, what's coming down the line, I would suggest that Raj might have to hold on. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB's The Hurling Pod. With Board Gosh Energy. Hurling. It's anyone's game. The Hurling Pod live two weeks in a row now and what mayhem it was on the final day of both the Leinster and Munster Championships. Hurling it is anyone's game. Off the ball is teamed up with the Senior Hurling Championship sponsors Borgosh Energy. We're uncovering stories highlighting the positive impact hurling is having on people's lives. To see more about the competition go to borgoshenergy.ie forward slash home forward slash bge dash ga. Well Limerick's drive for five in a row in Munster is still alive. They're through to another final against Clare following this afternoon's win against Cork. The Rebels exit the championship maybe one of the best teams to ever go out of around Robin, while Tipperary edge into the All-Ireland series despite losing their last game against Waterford. Wexford won a thriller behind closed doors effectively if you weren't in Wexford Park against Kilkenny today to avoid relegation on the final day in Leinster. We'll talk about the fact that that game wasn't televised today. A week feels like a long time in hurling for Westmead. They return to the Joe McDonough Cup after a loss to Antrim in Mullingar this afternoon. Galway and Kilkenny back into the final in Leinster after Dublin let a 12-point lead slip against Galway at Croke Park and Carlo have sealed a return to Leinster for 2024 by striking two late points deep in extra time to be Offaly in what was a classic Joe McDonough Cup final. To analyse it all and to take all of your questions and comments over the next hour and a bit, we've got Paul Murphy and James Skell. How are you getting on, lads? How's it going, boys? Good. How are you? We can't go any further, Will, now. I told you I was going to stop you. Right, Where were you last night? You have to tell us all. We're getting text messages about you being with a famous World Cup player. Well, yeah, I was at Crow Park first and then I had to leave at half time and extra time and listen to the local radio commentary because for some bizarre reason, I tried to get the RTE player when I was going down to the Gibson Hotel in Dublin from Crow Park. Short enough trip across. Thought I'd get the RTE player on. I watched the end of extra time because I had an event coming up. For some reason, it was geo-blocked in Crow Park. What's that all about? <laughs> um, that was the first of the frustrations about not being able to see things this weekend. And I listened to the end of the commentary. Uh, Carlo, I think, deserved, by the way, over the 70 minutes to win. We can talk about the Joe done a little bit later and then I was doing an evening for Cambridge FC in Ringsend in Dublin with the great Paul McGrath who was fantastic company last night and Paul who's been living in Wexford since he was telling me since about 2004 uh, when he retired from football he said Wexford would pull off the great escape today and how right he was in the end I'm not sure he knew it was going to be quite as dramatic as it was Paul given that there was the 10 minute delay to the game so they knew exactly what was happening reportedly some of the Kilkenny fans were chanting Joe McDonough in the closing stages thinking that they'd relegated Wexford and then Wexford got the last few scores of the game to stay up so a tremendously dramatic day and I think Paul McGrath as an adopted Wexford only or a Wigan will be quite happy that they've stayed up on the last day yeah just sure he must be I mean um, in fairness to Wexford like, I don't know if there's any Kilkenny fans uh, chanting that or to be honest I know people were talking about the 10 minute delay as well I don't think that played any influence really because the game was so tense and really Kilkenny started so well and Wexford came back into it. There wasn't any time to think or let alone get a message in that this is the current standings, you know, you're you're staying alive or you're out or whatever it was. It was so frantic and there was so much happening, particularly in the last 15 or 20 minutes, that the 10 minutes didn't come into it. If anything, it actually facilitated the last 10 minutes being the standalone thing that was happening in Hurling at the time. But um, immense from Wexford, like, you know, obviously as Kilkenny man wanted to see Kilkenny win, but, you know, when the dust settles on it, 
um, you know, you can see how impressive it was and, you know, what was on the line, the pressure. There was one thing I was thinking about, just the pressure on the Wexford players. Um, you know, you come into games with huge pressure on you in different ways, different times, trying to get your own position on the team, all these things. But I can't imagine the pressure of, you know, not wanting to relegate Wexford into Joe McDonough and going out and hurling and the way they did. And, you know, all the same names popped up. Granted, there was a few lads put the hand up, Carl Dunbar, particularly in the last 10, 15 minutes. Great sideline cut and another mm. point to keep to keep Wexford ahead. But like Liam Og McGovern, like, you know, man who had enormous influence in the second half. Liam Ryan, like a lad who has been, you know, pieced together for the year, really, like coming on and, you know, putting putting in a real big performance. Lee Chin was enormous as well. So, you know, Kilkenny will be disappointed, no doubt. And Derek Ling, I saw his comments after the game, will be disappointed. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to give huge credit to Wexford. Um, it was a standalone game where they just had to come out swinging and they did enough. They did absolutely enough. And look, they won't want to rest on their laurels with this starting next year. Um, but at least a lot of hurling people will feel that Wexford got their just desserts by being able to stay up in, in, in the Lee McCarthy. Scale, where my disappointment came from in this one, I saw the Dunbar sideline cut because a friend of mine sent what looked like a screen grab. I'm assuming that it's Buff Egan who was there today because it was a, it clearly looked like Snapchat uh, that had been taken from. Why couldn't this game have been on GA Go? If Tipperary against Waterford was being shown and we knew the drama that was always likely this weekend and we knew at least a week out after Wexford's defeat against Westmead, that their backs were going to be up against the wall. Why couldn't we watch this game? I know, but if you, if you rewind seven days ago and after the Tipperary-Limerick game, you were saying that Tipperary-Waterford was going to be a done deal. But ultimately, the way the Munster Championship was panning out, it wasn't like there were stages there where Tipper in, Tipper out, Corker in, Corker out. You know? But like, I just think every game should be played and give people the option to watch them if they, if they liked. Um Sounded like a humdinger. Look at the score. Like I, we obviously, I was watching the go in, uh, go in Dublin game, and you're getting mm. updates on the screen at the bottom, and just the score, you, you kind of have to pause it and say that doesn't look right. There's no way to Kinney are conceding four goals, like in 23 points, but that's that's what they conceded. Like I thought they're up to their old shenanigans down there again. Them two counties, you know, <laughs> trying to come together and save each other. You know, <laughs> you never know what these crew. <laughs> But like, uh, yeah, look, it's, it's disappointing because it sounded like a class game and I, I agree more for like it must have been a very, like a, a pressure cooker environment for Wexford. I'd imagine that the way, looking at the score updates, the game ebbed and flowed, Kikini were down six or seven points since then they came back into it on Cody, Cody scoring goals at will. Uh, you can imagine the groans and moans that came out of the Wexford supporters with the, the thought of possibly being relegated, especially with hearing the, the, the potential result between Antrim and Westmead. So I'd say there was all different types of emotions uh, going around Wexford Park today. But in fairness to players, they've been knocked over the last couple of weeks. But I think this evening now is uh, is the time to praise them, to be honest. I know that, that us here, people in Sunday game, etc., we all uh, said certain things about Wexford players and management and what they were and what they weren't. But today... They stood up. Granted, Kikini didn't, didn't seem to have an awful lot on the line. And like we can talk about the, the mental attitude of some teams today, but still, Wexford had to go and do the business and they did it. So, fair juice. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, John S. Pony, didn't hear any Kilkenny fans chanting that. Um, that was just something I'd heard, that there was chants going back and forth <laughs> and then Wexford fans were saying that. So, by all means, if you're at Wexford Park, come back on that because we couldn't see it. And I don't know <laughs> that, was Murphy, that was Murphy. That, that, like, that sounds like more like the relegation now in the Premier League that was happening today now. I don't think... <laughs> that was right. Murphy. Chants <laughs> kick off. 
That was you sitting them. Windows open, Kenny. That was you yeah. sitting them. Um, I, I'm going to play a bit of Dar Egan in a second because obviously he was kicking back about the week that it's been. But like, Sal, when it comes to the pressure that they were under, I mean, obviously the narrative after last week was 17 points have been let slip. Um, there was that feeling that Wexford were in, where the two results were incredibly possible to send them down, which would be the Antrim win against Westmeath and if they were defeated against Kilkenny. Um, even during the week, like quite a few of the legends were encouraging fans to be there at Wexford Park today uh, to ensure that they could get themselves a result against Kilkenny to stay up. Mm-hmm. I think you have to give credit to the players for standing up on the day it's just gone by after conceding sloppy goals and performing under their normal standard last weekend. Well, I think so. I think when this team probably sat down, you know, seven or eight months ago to uh, to uh, maybe write down the team goals, what were their targets? Like certainly surviving yeah, the the and keeping away from relegation was not one of them. And then when you consider how they've, they've come through the league uh, with basically a poor league campaign, had all the injuries, had an awful lot of negativity surrounding them, bad results, etc. Like, I, I think this was a huge psychological shift for Wexford where they thought they'd be six months ago to where they were. So for them to turn it around, that's what they did. They turned around in six or seven days and, and they got the result against, against a tough team. Like, you know, you consider that if this was a game, again, replayed, you could say against Westmead, you'd say they'd they get up for it and get the result. But they had Kinney coming to town you know, old rivals, etc. Say what you want. When you, when you get two neighbouring counties or two neighbouring clubs, you know, hair and skin is flying. So what, for what they did, I want they probably to listen to throughout the week also, because you can imagine at home there, with, with the legends, you could you could say yourself, members of the 96 team and so on. Um, probably tough. Tough to face the families, tough to face each other in training, tough to face people in, in a professional work environment after the result last week. But credit to them. They stuck to the task and they got through it because there was stages in that game, again, from looking at the scores, that they could have lied down and they could have accepted fate mm. but they didn't and, the, and the, in fairness as a group they put the shoulders at the wheel and they came through so as I said it's, it was a huge psychological battle first of all to, to nearly get yourself right for the position you're in and then second of all to get over a good team like Kikine yeah um, we'll come back to that in a second Detoc's making an interesting point here uh, one of the best weekends in hurling in an awful long time best since 2018 semi-final weekend in my opinion another Limerick Cork classic weekend uh, Carlo Offley was nearly the best game of all well, it was a nice way to uh, start off the weekend with the quality of that Joe McDonough Cup final I think it carried okay. through uh, from today's games uh, we'll talk about Go and Dublin in a little bit maybe kind of a strange performance where Galway didn't play well in the first half played well in the second half and a literal kind of game of two halves but um, Cork and Limerick today Murph again proper championship fair everything on the line almost felt like a knockout game uh, some great goals some fantastic score taking throughout the game as well and Cork will have to be bitterly disappointed that they've gone out of championship when you look at the quality of their performances this Cork team have drawn with Tip beaten Waterford and lost by two points combined against Limerick and Clare on the road, and they're out of championship. Yeah, very disappointing. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, was it you saying, Will, before we came on, that it, they're probably the best team to be knocked out in the round-robin phase across Leinster or Munster. I mean, it's just Cork are really teed up now to have an exciting year. Um, probably the best, most consistent team they've had over the last five or ten years I'd even say at this at this stage you know because they really have some savage forwards there mixed with some really strong backs the likes of Kieran Joyce there I mean great game again today and you know um, Cahalan again you know was, was was strong as well in the backs and they've, they've kind of brought, brought on a few really good players and 
um, put it up to Limerick today and, you know, kick, we're kicking on at one stage. I think they were up maybe three or four points and Limerick came back at them, but never looked phased, really look up for the game. And to be honest, it was just, you know, when you see the spread of scores that Limerick had, I think they had about 12, maybe 13 spread, uh, different scores in the game. That just showed that Limerick did turn it on. It wasn't the case that Cork left them in it. You know, Cork came back again and I think it was the last, was it from the 59th minute to the 68th, Cork scored 1-3 and Limerick didn't score. So like, Cork really put it back up to him again and um, it is such a pity you know it's such a pity that one point would have kept them in the championship um really exciting team and i think you know we certainly could have done with with uh cork in the championship but someone has to go down as well you know if it wasn't them potentially it could have been limerick potentially at one stage today for a long stage today it was tipperary you know um so there would have been regardless today there was as an exciting team we're going to be exiting the championship which is unfortunate but you know for cork they can like they can stand proud of their performances this year all bar visit Nolan Park in the league semi-final. That was their really only performance where they didn't actually show up. Other than that, to my memory, you know, they performed really well. They gave us some shows as well. You know, do you think of the tip match down in Parky Cueve as well? Huge performances. But, you know, so many of the Cork fans, I think, would have huge hopes going uh, to the Gaelic grounds today and are gone home and their their summer's over now. And it's, um, I think the rest of the hurling world, as much as we're, you know, delighted for Wexford, you know, being able to stay up and as neutrals, let's say, people would be delighted. I think all people are disappointed for Cork as well because they really gave us a lot of good hurling this year and probably deserve to stay in the championship. But, just fine margins, one point in your ears over. It's, it, it is remarkable stuff, really. Yeah, um, 12 different scores Limerick had. Uh, just looking down the notes here. Um, Dimmer Burns scores his goal from the penalty scale. I'm sure there'll be plenty of Cork fans here in the chat and probably plenty of neutrals who will feel that shouldn't have been a penalty. It wasn't a penalty. And even in real time, obviously, it was, it's uh, <clears throat> for us watching the game, in real time, I thought that's no penalty because the two of them are having a 50-50 tussle for the ball. It's in a, you know, high pressure zone in the full back line right in front of the goal so they're, they're going at it hammer and tongs and I think you know it's an absolutely massive call uh, for, for Owens to make and I think what he does he gets sold you know he gets sold because mm. what happens is Galang goes on the ground he does the exact same move he does I don't know maybe 5-10 minutes previously when he, when he grabbed I don't know who's hurt as well so it was the same move he hits his knees puts his hand up in the air and next thing Owens falls for it he just falls for it on the same end as he fell for the Jake Morris one <laughs> you know so here we, here we are again like with those you know, I, I really, I pity Cork because, like I say, you know, there were so many questions asked of them, let's say, last year. And everyone everyone would ask about their mentality and they, they question their, their work ethic and their, you know, how they're able to stand up to teams, etc. And like, I think they proved all that this year, in fairness to them. And for then, I suppose, for a game to turn its head and for definitely a marginal light to get between the teams for that penalty. Jesus, it's a cruel blow. It's, it's a cruel blow. And because we said here last week, and I, I specifically said that if they went behind by four or five points, I thought it'd be very difficult for them to come back, that Limerick would shove on. But they just kept plugging and plugging and plugging. And like, I, people talk about, you know, people talk about pace. Like, and it, when people say pace, they think pace legs. No, Cork's pace of play was excellent. It really was. The way they can move the ball, connect the ball and shift it into the forwards was, was fabulous. Like, But unfortunately, as, as Murph said, someone has to go. And the margins are the absolute minimum. And so, like, when we met our judgments here many weeks ago and we called who we called, like, here we are proving it's a point. <laughs> it's a one point, let's say, knocks the team out. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a cruel faith for them. But I think they've learned a lot. I think they've their management team deserve great credit for, I won't say turn their, year, turn their year around in a few months, but certainly put them on the right course, introduce an awful lot of new players. They've got energy about them still and hopefully they can carry over. And I, for one, would love to see uh, Horgan and Harrandy return next year. Um, I think it'd be a travesty they didn't because I was just saying to me, brother-in-law, just just quicker Hogan's getting. You know, he's, he's not going back the way he's not he's not lacking for pace or sharpness. Like he was electric again today, 
and uh, like I think they should go rattle it one more time and, and see what they can bring next year. So kudos to Cork, but tough work. <laughs> tough work for them. <laughs> yeah, Murph, when it comes to your assessment of Cork, Tom Hall, I'd stick up there a second ago, um, about Cork played well today. They've made great improvements this year and never die attitude. Have you seen more from Cork 2023 edition than what you saw in 22? Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in previous years, let's say even even you just go back as twenty two. Um, there was times in certain games where Cork would just die off. Let's say when against Tipperary, there where Tipperary went ahead by you know six points or whatever it was. Those times a few years ago, that Cork team may have died off and die off with like Patrick Horgan trying to keep the show afloat, like you know all these sort of things. But they they are not doing that anymore. They're coming back at teams now. Where Cork will look at and Pat Ryan will look at in the future is we seem to drift away from, like we'll go into the lead and then we'll drift from having the lead, we'll let the other team take it. And instead of staying in touch with them and, and weathering their purple patch, we drift out to about a six point margin and then we come surging back at them. And I think Power in future will be looking at, okay, well, how do we stop that? How do we stop that from happening? And, you know, maybe potentially, I is a, you, you look at the likes of Limerick, you know, last week, you know, Nicky Quaid, contact lens. He hadn't had a contact lens in- issue since 2019, but he had one the other weekend when, you know. <laughs> so, like, I mean, you look at what our other team is doing to maybe slow down the pace of the game. I, I not like, it, It's not cynical, it's game management, but, you know, maybe it does edge on the cynical side of things. But um, it, I, it's one of the only places where I see Cork needs savage improvement because, you know, physically, they're a very big dominant team. They're getting great scores. They're working goals. I mean, you can't say they're not getting goals. They have a great free taker. Um, their defense is solid. They know what they're about. They have great fit. Like, I mean, what else do you really need? It's it's just the management of the game, really, for me. Because um, when it comes down to it, you look at how high scoring that game was. And it all came down to one point. I mean, it's amazing that it just comes down to that. But you think of other teams there where Limerick will eke out that point they'll find that point somewhere on the field you look at even I'd even go as far as say Tipperary if Tipperary are in that position they'll eke out that point you know so there's teams out there who who have that quality whereby they know what to do when the game is in the jaws of defeat you know they know what to do to just manage it to get that score and um, that's just it's no consolation to them tonight but to answer your question, absolutely. They're a different team from what they were before. The important thing now is to build on it. And I think the likes of having what we've seen from Declan Dalton this year, that's going to be an enormous help for to anchor that 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 Cork forward line because he's very much something I think Cork will be missing, that bit of flair in the forwards that they've missed. They've had great hurlers, but when you think back of the great Cork teams, they always had the likes of Niall McCarthy, centre forward, who was just this capable of lots of things, was right in your face, riling lads up, getting under skin and, and driving the forwards on. They seem to have unearthed that now in Declan Dalton. So they have a lot of things going forward and a lot of young players coming through from under 20 that I think Next year, again, they'll be that bit bolder, that bit sturdier, and um, potentially will will we'll go that bit further. Certainly, you know, next year, we'll see them staying in Munster and pushing on into the into the All-Ireland phase. Yeah, because Patrick Horgan won 14 today, 11 of them coming from freeze. Mm-hmm. He's back out in front of TJ. TJ got first bite today. He edged in front. They're both going towards 620 points now at this stage. So week on week, they're going ahead of each other. Patrick Horgan has reclaimed the crown after his 114. The issue is that no one gets over four points elsewhere in the team today. So again, it's kind of a classic story. Even Horgan going into his mid-30s at this stage, he probably needs a little bit more support on the scoring chart if Cork are going to win these big games. Yeah, I like. I think what you have with Horgan, like, it's a similar situation Galway would have had with Joe Kenning back in the years, right? When, when, when Galway used to lose, everyone was saying that Kenning wasn't getting enough support in the scoring side of things. 
But as the years progressed and Galway got better, Canning was still in the scoring, but he was getting the ball more through better work from the rest of the forwards midfield. He was provided with more opportunities, you could say. And then he was getting support for scores. So Horgan, yes, on paper, he's, he's an awful lot of scoring today. I agree. And as well as last week against Clare also. However, I agree with Murph in the sense that like Dalton, you know, like Kingston did, did okay in patches today, like a Mahoney as well. But these lads are, they're, who, are, who are around, you know, I suppose, in and out of the team, call it that way, around the panel, in and out of the team. Like they stood up today. Like I loved looking at Dalton today when I think there was a free given away at one stage and he started mouthing Kyle Hayes. That's exactly what you want in your forwards. Mm. You want a bit about you, like. Because in years previous, you'd never see a cock forward. And I say years previous, I'm talking the last seven or eight years. You would never see a cock forward open their mouth to an opposition defender. Whereas now you see a lad that's able, that's able to bite back a small bit and then back it up to boot. So I think there, there's support coming. And I think when you look at Cork as a whole, in the, in the county-wide terms now, their under-20s have been proven over the last four or five years with winning championships there. Another one to contest in a week's time. So like there, there is youth coming. There is you know uh, youth at the right age. Like I always think under-20s coming is better than minors, obviously, because of the progression to senior. So like Cork will be fine. Let's, Cork will be grand. And Hoggy will have support there in years to come. And like, look at it, like Roach, like me did well. Like if he's given that new position, they've Mark Coleman to come back. You know, they, they have people. They have people. And, and it looks like, again, it's very hard to say from the outside. It looks like they have a really good management team who has put them mm-hmm. on the right course. And a, a management team that you can kind of get behind. And even as a neutral, for me, it's a management team I can get behind. I like the look about them. So um, look, they've made great strides. And albeit now in the dressing room today and on the way home, they're, they're out of the championship. They, they'll think in their own minds that they, they, they stride for call because they're heading home and they're out of the championship. I get that. But ultimately, when they assess 23 versus 22, you know, it's a better year for them this year, if you ask me. And there's, there's, there's uh, again, it's, 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 it's good signs going forward, albeit out of the championship, it's good signs. Yeah, I think um, Scal, you and Adrian McGrath have been going at it a few times on Twitter here. He's saying, there's a great turn on weekend. I got you, Adrian. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. If, if anyone didn't see it, give us the mic drop there, Scal, that you uh, threw out on Friday night. <laughs> I, so I, I presume with Adrian, uh, and thanks for listening and thanks for writing in, I presume you're from Clare. Right, mm-hmm. but Adrian, how would I class him? <laughs> I class him as an avid Clare supporter, <laughs> that way, who backs up and, and argues for his county all the time. Let's say, so I think Adrian put up. Uh, it was like a table. It was from eighteen. No, was it eighteen, nineteen, twenty-two, twenty-three? Was that right? It was the round robin results in Munster. Yeah, and I can't remember the specific wording of his tweet, but it was something about how Clare finished top, and that uh, you know it was some sort of dig anyway. <laughs> but I said, fair, fair play, Adrian, between yourselves and Limerick, you've won three monsters in Trade Ireland in that time. <laughs> Obviously, the joke, <laughs> you know what it gets at. And I got a smiley face back, which is a great right. sign. <laughs> well, you can, you can feel Scales mic drop when that happened. Keep it coming. Well, well here you go. Um, I wouldn't disagree that it was a fantastic hurling weekend, uh, by the way. Cork lost because uh, they have to play the 12 great backs that Scales said they had all at the same time to stop conceding handy scores. So, obviously, this was in our predictions uh, ahead of the championship. You know, you felt Cork were well set up defensively. They, What's he saying? defenders No, I think he's saying that like you claimed that Cork were so well set up defensively that they shouldn't be conceding as much as they are. So here's your chance to respond. Well, they conceded 111 points throughout the, the most championship. Seven goals and 90 points. And then Clare conceded 106. Ten goals and 76 points. So not exactly a huge margin of, 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 of separation here. We're talking about five points. You know, five points. And to the all-conquering player, according to Adrian. Like, so, like, again, I go back to the same point. I go back to the same point. There is not 10 miles of separation here. There is a degree. There is a metre. You know what I mean? The margins. Like, we're separating the teams here, let's say, guys. We're coming down to a specific call, an incident, a score, you know, a sending off, etc. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So like we're not coming down to hammerings here. So when I speak of a Cork defence, like the Cork defence is young. In my view, it's young and it's got years to come. So we look at O'Leary, I don't know who. I see. I think they could do with a, a, probably a stronger fullback in my in my own view. But again, that's that's horses for courses, as they say. So, so again, I go back to the same point. They've done well, lads, and they have a good defence. Seven goals, Clare conceding ten. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, what do you make? of the fact that there was two things I took in the WhatsApp group earlier today and I think Paul Murphy responded with it's not April Fool's one of them is the fact that Billy Nolan was playing out the field today that was Gale actually was that Gale who said that sorry yeah, and the yeah. other one was the fact that uh, Keane Lynch wasn't going to start for Limerick so what do you make of this Paul the fact that we saw Keane Lynch only for I think three minutes of normal time and whatever extra time we had at the end yeah it, it was hard on to know I don't know if any explanation was given afterwards like when uh, the one thing I did notice but I may have seen it wrong when Limerick came out in the pitch at half time they kind of did a guard of honour to Limerick lads I looked to me there that Keen Lynch was limping but then I was, th- I was thinking oh he's definitely not coming on but then obviously he maybe isn't carrying a knock if they brought him on because if he was limping there you're not bringing him on but he obviously wasn't maybe I don't know maybe he just has a new walk or something that I don't know about but uh, <laughs> a strut or something I'm not sure but uh yeah, it's stra- uh, not, not to say a strange one. If it, if it wasn't an injury, big call by John Kiley. But look, he's, John Kiley is well able and prone to these big calls, you know. So, um, and look, they won the match at the end of the day. But maybe it was not. I, I haven't seen anyone indicate what exactly that was. But look, at, I suppose if we're saying it's the scenario where John Kiley decided to bring in Carl O'Neill, Carl O'Neill had a great game, you know, um, and he was, he was very good last week as well. Uh, really influential. Between himself and Tom Morrissey, particularly in the first half, you know, we're really pulling the strings, getting on a lot of balls. So um, you'd have to say the bottom line is if it was a call that he, he didn't play Keen Lynch because he just thought the other six forwards would get more traction on the day, well, he was justified because they got the win in the, at the end. Or maybe it was a small bit of management of the team. Like he's, he's given the, the combination of Hegarty, Lynch and Morrissey their chance. And maybe it just wasn't clicking between a few of them. And maybe he needed to mix, the, mix it up a small bit. So who knows? Until we get an explanation, we don't know. But um, it leads me to believe that the fact that he came on, he wasn't injured. That it was more of a tactical situation with John Kiley. But fair play. Look, big call out of Kiley. Yeah. Uh, Danny Mack making the opposite argument. His arms around Galan. How is it not a penalty? Hold on. See, yes, you can see th- he's uh, the hurl is around Galan, right? For Galan mm-hmm. has his hurl held, and it's very, very difficult as a hurler to consciously let go of your hurl. Yeah, yeah, that never happens. Obviously, when I watch it back in replays, you'd say, Why didn't he let go of his hurl and put his hands up in the air? It's just, it just doesn't happen in real time. Because, you, first of all, you don't know where the ball is. <laughs> Second of all, you don't, you don't know does your man have it. But for his arms around him, I'm not sure. I, th- I think it was both the way. I think Galan had him as well. Mm. So it's not, it's not as simple as that. And look, it's not a penalty. It's not happening. It has to be clear cut, and it wasn't clear cut. Not a penalty. Yeah, um, few people there, including Stockroom Tim, uh, point out that they saw Lynch limping as well before he came in, and uh, also in Cormac Quaid uh, there as well. Lynch might not be fully fit, but he still had a couple of good possessions. Yeah. Uh, kept things moving when he was on the pitch, and that element of control I think is really important as uh, as Limerick go forward from here. Um, Murph, where do you set Limerick now? Because obviously they had the pressure of the last couple of weeks where a defeat could have been bust for them within the championship. They now get a chance to go back and get play against Clare again in a Munster final. Last week they were being compared to Freddy Krueger that you can never really put them away and they're always going to pop back up. Here they are now potentially going for five in a row. When I think most people wrote off their chances of getting to a Munster final, I think the conversation all week was, will Limerick finish up in third place? But here they are when it's all said and done at the end of the round, Robin, and they've got the potential to retain the McMackie again. 
Yeah, it, um, their, their confidence is building, definitely. Like the performance today now, they had to dig deep. Um, and, you know, you'd have to say as a whole team performance, it was their best performance to date. Um, like even when you, when you go back as far as the Clare game, um, a lot of people didn't perform that night. You just have to say, you know, they, didn't, they weren't up to scratch. Whereas when you see the spread of scores, like we go back to 12 there, and there was a few times even today where you saw real, I suppose, glimpses of leadership. Like there was one stage I saw Kylie was over at the bench and they flashed over to him and he was obviously talking to Knurk or something, came running over and Darrell Donovan was over and he hit him a few slaps and told him, come on, get into it. Or not get into it, but, you know, drive it on the last 15 minutes. I think Donovan popped up with two points then, two really important points, definitely one anyway. But I remember just thinking of about two minutes after Kylie did that, the likes of Donovan stepped up and got a really important score. You know, the likes of Flanagan there as well, in fairness to him, um, got a goal at a really important time, was, was involved. There was, you know, Hegarty a lot more involved again. Like, But you just look all over the pitch and there was lads really, I suppose, going about their business. There was another really important one there where it was just after the tussle between Downey and Garrod Hegarty where there was the free out and you know, Owens went in giving out to Hegarty, which I actually thought was harsh enough because Downey was trying to go at him. He was pushing him and he was going at him. Balls worked out and out of nowhere, Peter Casey comes running out from corner forward and turns him over. Like, and they were steaming up the pitch Cork at the time. So there's loads of indications where I went, like you can't fault them for their effort and you can't fault them. And as well, you look at a few things there. There were there was elements there where they could have got frustrated. I don't think they got their first scoreable free till about the 32nd minute. Like, And I know people will say, you know, Limerick are cynical and they'll, they'll point at Kyle Hayes' tackle as well in the, in the first half. But like, there was lots of stuff not going uh, Limerick's way as well. You know, so there, was, there could have been a tendency there to get very frustrated <clears> and to lose sight. But the sign of a good team and a confident team in terms of knowing what you're about is sticking to the plan. You know, sticking to what your game plan is, regardless what way the game's going. And Limerick did that. And I think where they're at now is confidence isn't exactly back up to where it was. There won't be brimming full of belief. But they'll take a huge amount from today. And they go into a Munster final now where... They're facing, for the first time in a long time, a team who has bet them in the championship and bet them recently. And that'll do a lot to steal the minds of them. And then even the likes of going back to Keane Lynch not starting. Like, okay, he might have been limping. But, you know, Kylie hasn't been afraid to put lads onto the bench where it needs to be. Garrod Hegarty found himself on it there as well lately. So I think a lot of players will have, you know, learned a lot of lessons over the last few weeks in the round-robin phase. And I think now that all things have kind of, let's say everything is squared. They're in a Munster final, not going the route that they expected to go, having picked up a savage injury with Sean Finn. But nevertheless, you know, they've got their probably building a bit of character. And I think if we were to sit here now eight or 10 weeks ago saying that Limerick were going to be in a Munster final, having built savage character through this Munster, or Munster championship, lads would have said, where are they going to build character? Who's going to put it up to them? So um, they've, they've taken a, an indirect route to this, to this Munster final. Their confidence isn't where it is. And I think Claire will, will love going back at them again. But again, this is going to be so tough to call because Limerick are nearly an unknown quantity coming into this Munster final. And it, we're back to square one. We don't know where we are with them, but they definitely are building. They're building yeah. again. You know? I'd argue they're a pretty known quantity over what we've seen over the last five years. But uh, Crack of the Ash, who, by the way, two things on Crack of the Ash. Uh, really enjoyed the sniper video that you put together for some of the players who've been simulating over the last few weeks, <laughs> uh, which is which very, very good. And uh, I like the idea of Nash coming onto the pod at some point over the next while. I'm with Murph, though. If we put Nash and Scale on together, the two guys are just going to nerd out about puckouts, formations, all that type of stuff. But Nash seems very open to it. Uh, he replied earlier on, 
So again, not, I, not to be disparaging here, but we might need a translator of some some form because I mean the Tick Galway accent with a Tick Rebel accent. Now that'll be like I Stephen will have very flat Midlandy kind of accents. Yeah. Like I'm southeast, but. Like, he's going to be tough for some people's game. Listen, you know? just because Eby <laughs> hasn't got the intellectual capability, right, to understand and join in to goalkeeper speaking. You know? I won't. See, we, we have how, to make, much, we have, how many different ways can you go at the goalkeeping angle now? That's what I want to know. Like, We have to make accommodations for you. That's the thing I see, John. We have, we have, to, we have to probably bring down our tone of language for you guys, OK? <laughs> uh, yeah. The quarterback talk will start now, how goalkeepers are the quarterback. He's probably big into basketball or something like that, or hockey. <laughs> I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. Now, I, I really struggle to break up the romance between Jer and Nash on a Friday I think the two guys really enjoy talking to each other but Nash has pretty much committed on Twitter to coming on at some point so I think we yeah. will have him on a little bit later in the year um, but back, back to your main point crack of the ash how are the lads Limerick's championship so far has been an upward trajectory just in the door savage game today between Limerick and Cork would you agree Scal that Limerick are maybe building a little bit because we had this feeling that maybe they were working their way into the championship early doors in the first couple of games well, I think they're, meet, they're meeting hurdles they haven't met before in the past. I think they're getting tested in such a way that probably hasn't been presented to them in the last four or five years. I suppose in the last couple of championships, like Barron, the Munster final last year, um, there has always been a sense that when Limerick played in-game in that this, this could be five, six, seven, ten points of, of a gap. You never got the sense that even when a team was clawing back that they were going to actually overtake Limerick. That's how good they were. But in this year... I suppose getting from the off, especially because the league was was a different story. They were still they continued their their mode of domination. But in in the championship, Watford, you said to yourself, mm, that that was maybe Watford planning for a few weeks and probably got a good performance. And you know, let's let's take it for that. But then the week after, and the week after, you're saying, Jesus, maybe maybe Limerick are, are coming back a touch. So they've been tested in a manner that we 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 haven't grown accustomed to. But you have to understand that they, they are building a steely resolve as well. Like they've been. I suppose they've been questioned on the field, they've been questioned off the field, they've had injuries, they've had players with discipline issues, they've had out of form. So if you were to couple all the things that we said at the start of the year that would be required to take down Limerick, they're, they're all happening. <laughs> Everything's actually happening to them. And so for them to come come through a very, very tough championship group stages and still qualify for Munster final, I'd say it would be very, very pleasing. Now, I don't think they'll rest in their laurels. I don't think they'll say, right, now we're going to be take off and everything will be fine. I think they're still probably high alert down in Limerick that they have to keep this rocking and keep keep the work going and keep trying to improve because there still was that little bit of, you know, lack of slickness that was happening today with drop balls and missed moves and slippages and whatnot and wides, and loads of wides and then the free count as well. The free count was massive. So I think if John Colley's success in this game, like in the, in the past, he was giving out about wides and that was only, that was it because the, the margin was so, so big in defeat for that position. Whereas now he's got a few areas to focus on and I think he'd be happy. Like, and you can see him, he was really animated on the sideline. Something we probably haven't seen him since probably the, the, the Arsenal final last year, whereby he was getting into it and, and driving on his players because there was no need for it up to now. So like, I think they're on the right track. They're not, they're not where, where they were this time 12 months ago, but they're heading in the right direction and there's going to be a humdinger of a game come, come two weeks' time. Hmm. Uh, Scott, I saw somewhere a bit further up there a while ago, a couple of people making the point about Tom Morrissey and his shooting and some of the wides. And we were praising him particularly around the Clare game because he was taking that responsibility to take the shot. And even if he missed a few along the way, he was the shooter in the half forward line while other players are maybe trying to work it in. Um, is there a case that maybe he needs to add a bit more variety or was today just one of those days where he snatched at a few of the shots? I think probably it's a bit of both. Like, he, like Tom Morris is a fabulous shooter. Like, like who put him? Who put him a pint up against Tipperary last week? You know, when, when the, the bit of a the bit of rain was coming down, like it was it was him. You know, so like he's he's a top class shooter. Again, he's proven it. So if 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 some like, new kid comes on the block 
and he starts shooting and shooting and wide and wide. Then you'd say, okay, hold on, maybe you need to just game a small bit and come on board a bit. But this guy has proven it over the last five or six years that he is a good shooter. Like he, we've grown accustomed to him firing four or five points most days. So and that comes with repetition. And the same thing with Limerick. Like we, we had said with Limerick previously, they don't get an awful lot of goals, but they get an awful lot of shots. And today they had, what, 49 shots again? So they're going to have a, a savage amount of wides. Their efficiency is about 70%. So you'd say to yourself, you know, they're going to have, you know, 10, 12, 15 wides per day. So if the ball's getting Tom Morrissey, he's in a good spot to take it. You know, shoot it. Like shoot it. I, I wouldn't go against him because it's in his locker. And if, 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 if you're in a... Do you know, a dog-eat-dog dog game down the final, the, the final hurdle. It's 74 minutes gone. And if I was Tom Morrissey, you want, you want the ball in his hand. You want him to shoot the ball. You don't want him thinking about anything else. So let him rock on. Paul, you can answer this one coming in from Stockroom Tim, which is an observation rather than a question, but it's sparked a bit of debate there. Uh, Galan never stops holding lads' hurleys, constantly gets away with it. You've had to defend against him before. He goes in behind he sometimes finds himself in those positions to make it very awkward for a defender and I get the feeling he's more than happy to try and unsettle you by doing things like that to gain even just a marginal advantage yeah I actually remember the first time I marked him I think was I don't think he was playing in 2017 when we played him in Nolan Park I think he was playing in 2018 when we played him in Turles and in the second half he came running out and he went to kind of hit me a dig with the hurl and uh, I just pushed him back and he hit the deck. <laughs> and like, this is before the second half even started. And he was on the ground. And I said, what are you doing, you clown? Like, get up. And he got up and he just started laughing at me. And I was like, like, and then he kind of went at me again. Like, in fairness, it was just kind of like lads going at each other. There was no harm. I didn't lose any respect for him in doing it. And like, after the game, like, geez, sound came over, shook hands, grand. But there was uh, this thing that where, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, he, he, he will test the water and see what's happening and see if you'll react or see, you know, will he phase you or what will you do if he goes? But I always remember that. That's my first real memory of American Galan where second half, he was obviously, the plan was there to maybe see how I react to something. But no, he does. And there's, look, there's that bit of divilment in him. Um, as we said, it wasn't a penalty today. Uh, but you can see, like, you know, you can see after certain frees are given and different things, you know, he, he has a few words with the lad he's marking or he has a few words. Like, there's a psychological battle on there and he's not afraid to go at it. Now, equally as well, look, we can on. Sometimes we see when things aren't working out for him, he finds it a little bit tough at times to get into the game. That's that's the downside of when you're playing that sort of battle where you're mounting at lads. Lads will mount back at you as well and probably no better lads than Cork defenders to mount at you. Like, but... Um, no, he is. He does have that element to the game, but like I think that's what we've we've pointed at so many times that makes him dangerous because there's this kind of uh, an angle where he's not he's not you're this beige forward coming in and top you. He just kind of reads what's happening in front of him. If you're playing out in front of him, he'll go right. I'll go right in behind you, and you let's see if you if you if you keep an eye on me if I'm in behind, and maybe then he'll you know he'll just start pulling and dragging at you. He'll hang around the six yard box and get a penalty. Like this is kind of just the things he does. Like lucky to get a penalty today, but he won't care going home tonight. That people are saying it wasn't a penalty at the end of the day Dermot Burns hung it in the top corner and was the platform really in which Limerick won so look Gillan has the dark arts of a forward absolutely but um, I don't think Limerick supporters would, would, would want it any other way because not only the scores he puts on the board he creates a lot of opportunities through that bit of development as well mm. no no definitely look we'll do a much bigger dive in the two finals in a couple of weeks time to look forward to them but John Woodland's point which I'll throw to you Skell are Clare favourites now ahead of this Munster final venue to be confirmed by the way um, it's it's extremely close but I'm still tipping my hat to Limerick I'm afraid why I don't think people look, I think I think Conor Cleary has got a dislocated shoulder judging by the way he came off the last week uh, that's not an injury that's going to heal very fast and even if you do try and play yeah. you know like, so they're, they're missing a guy at full back that 
I don't think they can easily replace. Um, if, and if they do replace him with someone who's on the team already, it'll cause kind of a very big formation shift for Clare like, that I don't think they'd like. So I, th- I don't think we can underestimate his loss. Um, and I just, I do put a bit of value on Limerick, the fact that they've come through the hard way and they've been warned. They've been severely, severely warned by what Clare put up to them in, uh, in the Gale grounds a few weeks back. Um, now, again, marriage is tight. I'd expect it to be possibly a draw, possibly a one point either way. But I'd still, I'd have to say experience, you know, heading the right direction for Limerick. I'm, I'm going to tip my hat to them. Murph, who would you be tipping? Yeah, look again at the moment. I have to go with Limerick. Like, like bottom line tomorrow morning, if you if you check any websites, the odds are going to be stacked for towards Limerick, and it's kind of for a reason. I think more so the fact that we've seen Limerick in these situations a lot more than we've seen Clare. Like, absolutely, Clare won the match a few weeks ago against Limerick, but this is a different scenario, and it goes back to the point I'd be saying anyway a few minutes ago of where there's only a handful of teams, not even a handful. There's less than that at the moment who, when the game is in the balance, they know how to win it. Because it's different scoring a point or scoring a goal in the first five or ten minutes of a game compared to we're heading into injury time here now and we're a point behind and going and actually closing out that game and winning. There's a different. And Limerick are the team that can do that. And I'd say at the moment, Limerick are the only team that I'd absolutely hang my hat on that are capable of doing something like that at the moment. And again, I know people will turn around and say, well, they didn't do it a few weeks ago against Clare. But each generation kind of has a team that... That they are the lads who, you know, when push comes to shove, if you had to put your house on it, you go, okay, well, I'm, there's something about Limerick here. They just have a quality about them that they're able to close out the match. What I do expect, and I know we'll go into it now next week more so, um, I do expect Clare are going to hurl this game purely on savage emotion. The fact that, like, Cleary is going to be a huge loss for them. But I think that they'll, they'll relish this challenge again. They'll have the crowd behind them, and it'll be an enormous atmosphere at it. Whereas Limerick are going to hurl a lot more pragmatic. Limerick are going to try and enforce their game plan on Clare. And I just think that, yeah, it just barely, very slightly at the moment, it's in Limerick's favour. Uh, very, very slightly. But look, again, I know we always say it, maybe it's a bit of a cop out, but. Look, if we're sitting here after a month's final and Clare have won by two or three points, none of us are going to be massively shocked either, you know? No. And Liam McGilton there, I would agree with you, by the way, that all the talk, even on our pod last week, was the same, that the winner of Limerick and Cork could be going through in third place. I think we even talked about the fact that it might be a long route round for Limerick if they had to go through a primary quarterfinal. Everyone thought that Tip beating Waterford was a foregone conclusion. Another Cork point and Tip were out. Yeah, we were watching the scoring difference. And I remember at one point it was satisfying those conditions when it was a draw at the Gaelic grounds and Waterford were winning by seven or eight. And... Uh, you're just thinking they could they really got away with one today and there's a few people asking about maybe the motivation around Tipperary as well Patrick Coleman making the point the Tip fans said the sandwich is buttered already for the Munster final and even last week Scal there was conversations about Tipperary and Clare into the Munster final should this game be in Limerick should this game be in Cork I don't know did some of that seep into the mindset for Tipperary today to be beaten by a Waterford team who you saw how many of their key players were injured before the game and also yeah. had nothing to play for well, I suppose when we, when we move over to Leinster, I'll touch on mental preparation of some teams um, for where it can put you in a position. But I think Tipperary... Uh, now, I, I don't discount the, the emotional term or the emotional fatigue that they'd suffer from last week because I know, let's say, from Tipperary perspective, they almost had Limerick. Mm-hmm. They're, they're probably very high in emotion, probably found it hard to come down and get set and go again for a game that they probably perceive to be an easy two-pointer. And I don't think they... they, they they, I, honestly, I honestly don't think they foresaw that Waterford performance because I think the evidence that was produced by Waterford up to that date, you know, wasn't there. It wasn't there to say that they were going to put up to Tip, especially what Tip had produced up to date. You know, so 
and, he, and here we are, <laughs> water after beating Tipperary. But like from looking at again, I only caught the second half because of time constraints, you could say. But I think from watching it, like Limerick or Tipperary, excuse me, were so flat. They were the exact opposite to what they were last week, which just goes to show like the, the margins or the separation of a team who plays well versus who plays terribly just by mental preparation, just by mental. Because it wasn't slickness, it wasn't sharpness, it wasn't uh, it wasn't fitness, strength, you know, skill. It was none of that. It was just the actual mental focus, and they didn't have it this week. And it shows an intercounty hurling, especially senior, that when you get off to a bad start and you're not focused, it is so hard to claw it back. You need all your time. You need seven to eight more minutes to claw it back, especially if a big margin opens up like eight or nine points. And Watford deserved the victory today. So, yeah, to people who thought it was a foregone conclusion for Tipperary and Clare last, last week, again, that's the beauty of sport, lads. You can just turn the dime. Now, I, 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 I myself thought Tipperary would beat Watford, and yes, we'd be looking at a tip clear to Munster final. But like, like I said, that's the beauty of sport. Look at the Boston Celtics last night. See now, Murph, that's my American sport for the day. <laughs> no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> if it's NFL, I'm not sure it quite counts. I mean, I like that NBA Finals is where you're going NBA, as opposed yeah. to the NFL. Wife, I was watching it at four o'clock in the morning this morning and the wife turned over and I, I, I just, I, I'd love to know what's going through her head. What is he doing? The <laughs> <laughs> volume turns on. <laughs> um, yeah. Good point. Good point by Stephen O'Connor here as well. Tipperary have to be water from the championship now since 2019 and that's, Back-to-back defeats for Tip against Waterford at Semple Stadium the last two years as well. So, um, it, look, it didn't happen for Waterford and the rest of the championship. But it's one of those wins, lads. I mean, you look at the way that this game even played out. Um, look, Tip are just so flat. And you get Waterford getting into a position where by halftime they're leading by 17 points to eight. And then they stretch that lead a little bit at the start of the second half. Eight wides in the first half as well. And then it's like Tipperary never really got back that close to them during it. Like, I don't know how this happens, Murph. Is it somewhat, like Skell has just said, that you put so much mental energy into last week and that's such an energy-sapping game against Limerick and then you can't help but think you're in such a wonderful position going into the last round that maybe you're just a few percent off where you normally would be? Oh, yeah, well, I'd say Tipper were more than a few percent. They were absolutely shocking, to be honest. Um, they were really flat. Like they were not, I, I was marking the scores here. After 30 minutes, I think it was even more, 32, 33 minutes, Tip of three scores. Like that's, By the way, not, not to get away from this, but were you double screening? Because Gail and I were both yeah. watching Limerick and Cork. You watched both, did you? I was, I, I was watching the game, right? And I had yeah. a laptop out with GA Go and had one of my earphones in. Now, I thought I was going insane because I was listening to two commentaries at the one time. One was marginally lower than the other. But I had the Tipperary Watford one just down lower, keeping one eye on it. But now, when I was doing the stats between both of them, that was I was putting down Nolan McGrath scoring a point for Limerick and stuff. I was all over the place now, to be honest. But, um, yeah, but Murph, like, I, I yeah. introduced another one for you. I tried that as well, right? Yeah. But, but it, I introduced another thing to the mix. Two kids, well, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm a set of monkey bars, right? Hanging off me. I didn't take my phone to go watch the <laughs> so. It actually, for a second during it, I was like, this is what must be like in Scale's head. There's so much going on. Like, there's scores everywhere and I was marking stats. And then I was giving out to myself and like, yeah, but no, I was, yeah, I was double screening, but... Um, but tip, tip were absolutely brutal now to be honest um, I'd say it'll be the biggest thing that Liam Cal will be raging about the fact that it was completely in their hands to be in a Munster final and they didn't take it like I know the narrative after this will be oh well they're safe and sure they're into a qualifier and grand but you nearly forget the fact with all the drama over the weekend that Tipperary were out of the championship probably seven or eight times today and that was because I'm, I'm throwing that stat out there based on how many times Limerick and Cork were drawn because yeah. I, I can't I'd say maybe after the fourth or fifth minute from then on, I don't think Tipper were even within five points of, um, of of Watford. Maybe they got it back to three at one stage, but they looked at, and uh, like, I mean, to go back to Watford as well, 
it's not that Watford really lit it up or anything today. They just hurled really well. Like Billy Nolan got a point there from centre back, but he got the ball at centre back, ran twenty yards, no one touched him, and he stood and struck the ball over the bar. You think of any other tip performance, like think of Porky Cueve against Cork, think of against Limerick. Like lads were barely able to run three yards without getting absolutely hopped off. The attitude, the intent, everything everything wasn't there. And the one thing that popped into my head with it was like with our club, um, we, we've heard a senior for about 10 years, and but we were always kind of fighting relegation. And a few times, I'd say maybe five of the years, we ended up in relegation, probably six of the years out of, out of 10. Like we ended up in relegation. But funnily enough, some of our best performances happened when we now knew our fate. We were in relegation, uh, but we still had to play out the end of our round-robin matches. And we ended up turning over teams because you ended up going into a game where the head was completely clear, there was no pressure on you, everyone was writing you off. And likewise, the opposition were coming into the game, probably haven't listened to too many of their supporters saying, Usher, like, you know, Watford, Dance Fort, whoever, you'll beat them, like, you know, and, and that kind of creeps in. And then there's kind of this flip of, um, you know, there's there's a kind of flip of momentum where like a good few years ago, the best example I give you was we played the Lock and Gales a good few years ago, and we were we'd been beaten in the last two games with about fifteen or sixteen points. We were up by 10 points at halftime in Lachlan Gales and I'm fairly sure they made a county final. And like we were fighting relegation. And that was the thought that popped into my head that Watford know their fate. And there was nothing on the line, no no expectation on them. Uh, literally probably expected to go out and be bet by maybe five or six points. And Tipperary were going for a Munster final, probably haven't listened to all week about, yeah, you'll definitely beat Watford. It's a foregone conclusion. It, there was just a huge, a huge feeling of that about it. Tipperary were never in this game. Um, and I'd say Liam Cal be so frustrated that there was just no performance. I, he'd make peace, I think, with Watford turning up, dying on their sword, like Wexford and Kilkenny, you know, where do you die on your sword? But when you when you, you can't even compare those two games because Wexford had an enormous amount on the line, huge pressure, had to come out and fight. Watford were in the same situation regardless what they did. Tipperary had a monster final on the line and they didn't perform. I think that's where... Um, where Liam Cahill will be really disappointed and like we've been really complimentary about Tip and they've been really good probably in the top three teams up until today we'd be saying top three teams in the country really consistent I mean if you looked at them today you, you would think they were the team that were actually out of the championship not Walford so it was, it was really kind of remarkable performance today and um, I wouldn't like to be uh, I wouldn't like to be in Dr. Morris Park now on Tuesday night with Liam Cahill coming in the train and I'd say, I'd say he'd be no. wired yeah, no, no. I, I see he's being compared to Sergeant Major Cal has done a number on tip <laughs> stuck to the ground very worrying for them this is the narrative uh, you know, he just runs teams into the ground and they don't have energy when it comes into the uh, the business end of the championship we'll see if Tipper back I think is the answer to that um, Davey I think is interesting because I wanted to play a little bit of Davey back to you um, from after the game today um, Danny Mack making the point at least Davey had something up his sleeve and uh, Tom has gone with Davey is back <laughs> and Patrick Coleman has gone with is Davy's job safe for another year after today? Look, I think it's it's a good win, but maybe it's a team who are, you know, hurling at a time when the pressure is off because this wasn't about qualifying today and they did put in a big performance. Um, actually, before I play Davy, how did Billy Nolan get on playing out the field? I think he plays centre-back for his club, but this is obviously a bit of a eyebrow razor when we saw that their goalkeeper for the first three games was playing out the field. He actually got on all right. Uh, he got on a few balls, but he was kind of playing that role of um, a bit, little bit of a sweeper role whereby if the ball was won, he was an out person there where he could pop the ball to him. So he actually got on a few balls, but like at the point he got, he nearly drove the ball out of out of Turles, like because he has such a slap on him. And when he's planted his feet, it was remarkable seeing a goalkeeper standing at midfield with the strike goalkeepers having the ball because obviously that's you know that's the, their forte. But um, he actually got on quite a few ball and didn't look uncomfortable when he got on the ball. Um, he's well able to move and stuff, but like. 
it doesn't necessarily 100% convince me that it was absolutely a genius stroke. It wasn't. like I mean, he got on a good few ball um, and, and, and very knew his job and didn't do anything to matter anything like but. Um, yeah, like I don't know what to say about it. Even like it wasn't like I come, came away from it going, Jesus. Actually, I think he could be the centre back for Waterford next year. It, it wasn't. But he didn't. Once. He didn't look out of place as an outfielder at Intercounty. No, no, he didn't. He didn't. In fairness to him, he didn't. And like I said, when he got the ball, he was well able to move around, knew what he wanted to do, got the head up, and the striking was really good. So you know, you couldn't say a whole lot bad about him. In fairness to him. Hmm. Right, well, this is what Davy had to say after the game. Um, he very frustrated about the criticism that Waterford have taken in recent weeks. Have a listen. You get caught the way we got caught after too bad. We played well against. Limerick should have won it first half against Cork we were poor second half we matched them and had three goal chances didn't take them against Clare we were matching them and had 12 wides there for half time we did we had a poor second half it affected us like out of the, the whole championship right we two halves that were poor and we got punished badly so from but to listen to some of the crap like to listen to the last few weeks is actually disgusting and a nine so it is to tell you the truth I'm proud for the boys because guys have trained so hard they have worked so hard and it's so annoying to see them being treated the way they've been treated and um, I think they showed today what they're about and fair play to them maybe last year they went tennis and, they, and there was nothing to play for but every time I, we put on that war for Jersey I want them to play with that pride and that passion that they did there and they're well able to do it and um, I, I really want to thank the genuine people that backed us through the time they, they mean the world and they can see a glimpse of what we can do and the only chance we have is to get people behind us and there's enough of hardship in, in life without knocking we need to stop that and, and get behind each other and um, I think that's important it's, it's, it's been a tough month I can tell you it's been, we, there's no one being harder than ourselves but to my team and to my backroom I love them to bits and they've given me everything there you go. That was Davy Fitz uh, speaking after the game. I don't know. Do you think he's done enough scale to convince Waterford County Board to say, all right, year two of the project? No. <laughs> like, if a manager is resorting to put, taking his goalkeeper out of goals and putting him into, you know, outfield to try and, uh, I suppose, prop up his system, like, that, that's enough for me. I think if you're a Waterford County Board official, if you're a club delegate, if you're even in the Waterford squad, you need to really sit back and assess your options here. Let's, like, because at the end of the day, when I heard that interview, and I listened to it a couple of times, right? Because I was trying to see, was there, was there Anton actually, was there, a, was there a foundation for what he was saying? Was there something really relevant? Was it accurate? And it wasn't like, like he's, he's kind of, he's playing the poor man's game again. He does this every year, you know, when he gets knocked out of the championship and he's, he's kind of trying to deflect from his own inadequacies, if you ask me, right? And I'm, I'm sure the water boys have put in a huge effort. I'm sure the, you know, the, the backroom team are as well. But ultimately, they didn't help themselves at all, at all. So with these shenanigans of, of, of systems and setups and personnel and team sections, you name it, whatever you want to call it, right? And I, th- I think, as I said last week, from Waterford perspective, a proud county, as we know they are, they need to, just, they need to start again, go back to brass tacks and bring in someone inside. And it, it takes, it, it, there is a bit of the blame to one of the players, absolutely. But like you see people in Waterford, you saw, the, you saw people who played for years for Waterford Legends and they were asking the same questions that we are. Like, and he mentioned about the managers there, like, about Slack. And I, I just went through this. He said, there's lads in three or four years who aren't getting the Slack that he is. So if you allow me, Will, right, I'll just go down through the managers of the Lee McCarthy counties, right? Antrim, two year. Gleason's done a good job. Westmead, I think Joe Forrest in second year? Yeah, just completely. Good job. Yep. Dublin, Michal, first year. Wexford, two years. Dar Egan, looks like he's going to get the chop. So, Galway, second year. Sheffield, semi-final. He's doing fine. Leicester final. Kikini, first year. Tipperary, first year. Cork, first year. Limerick, six or seven. Waterford, first year. Clare, I think it's fourth or fifth year. 
he's aiming that at clear right he's aiming that at Brian Lohan well, I did enjoy so, that with Kylie you didn't even have to comment on that you were like hey he's won a bit alright yeah he's won plenty but like he's on about three or four years he's obviously on about his own, his own county right so mm. that, that, that statistic or that statement like Again, a clear, clear contesting. At least, at least they're contesting monster finals. They're contesting you know, semi-finals. RB but but also, Aston Aston Lohan done an excellent job. Like this is mm. back into another monster final. They found championship performances. Hugely. I know some of the Clare fans will complain that we didn't pick them to go through when we were picking our three. But I think the caveat, at least I put out a million times, we're chatting about this. They've got the championship performances right, and they've got this wonderful round robin record under in particular. Exactly, and like they've learned. How many times have we been saying on this podcast like that we we like what Lohan has been doing? He's been building Clare, the county of Clare, been building, and like they they went hammer and tongs in the league last year. They didn't this year, and signs are on. They're, they've had a really good championship so far. So Clare are going well. They're making progress. But where the other man, the other man is like, there's no progress whatsoever. Watford, albeit now a, a win today, right, might paint over some of the cracks. But Watford. Or as bad, if not worse, than they were last year. Like, remember the game they had against Limerick, Limerick last year? That was a really good game. Limerick at the, the, the peak of their powers. Everything else, Waterford were cat. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I just, I, I find it hard to to believe his statements, to 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 actually come on side with what he's trying to say, to try and even to emotionally connect to what he's saying as, as a man in his position. I just can't get, get around it. And I think if you're a Waterford person, whether you be in a professional capacity on the board or delegate, etc., it's time to look on you. Hmm. Like uh, the one thing I, I just think is deflection tactics. To be honest, at the moment, because like uh, like uh, listen to what he was saying after the game, where like people are unfairly or so he's saying unfairly zoning in him. No manager came out in the last actually I wouldn't say ever and said that I'm a winner. I'm here to win and I win things. Like basically paraphrasing, that's what he said at the start of the year. So you can't get upset when people turn around and say, "Why aren't you winning?" Like. You were the one who said it at the start of the year. Um, I don't think anyone was unduly hard on any Waterford players, but like Davey at the moment is saying, it's disgusting what people are saying. I haven't seen anything in media that has been unduly, like certainly not disgusting anyway. But like, you know, I flip on a few things there. Like, you know, again, it just goes back to Davey thinking that people are out to get him. Davey was on the Late Late Show on Friday night and started giving out about lads saying he can't, you know, give out to referees and it's disgusting. Same word again, disgusting. And then on Saturday morning, he gets booked 20 minutes into the game for giving out to the referee. Against, I think it was either James Owens or someone out in Turles against Tipperary, like the following day. So you can't make these statements. And then when it goes against you, people ask, you know, people ask questions about you. And then in particular, like you look at Desi Hutchinson today, uh, one three did he get, man of the match inside corner yeah. forward. Like nobody thought at the start of the year you'd have to say the sentence, Desi Hutchinson's best position is corner forward. Um, like, but these are all things that have just risen out of out of the year, and I just think it's like again, it goes back to this thing of saying of deflection tactics, like saying things that, like, as if people are attacking the water players or anything. It's not, um, and it's almost like a thing in, in in a way to nearly scare lads from saying something because you're nearly afraid that you'll be tarnished with that with that label that you're going out and you're attacking or you're saying unfair things. Up to today, Watford I think scored fifty nine points in the championship. I think that's what it was. They had one performance today, which I think is pigeonholed into one corner. You can't count that for anything. It's a performance against a very flat Tipperary. Um, I don't think it pays any reflection to the rest of the year. Davey also said in the Yoke that we've had our unfair share of injuries, like Austin Gleeson, all these lads. A lot of them were picked up this week. You know, they weren't they weren't there the rest of the year. So you can't make out as if you had all those injuries the rest of the year. And likewise, other teams have had other big injuries the rest of the year as well. Like Limerick played or Tipperary played quite a bit without the likes of Kyle Barrett and these lads, you know, because there was injuries. Like they've picked up cruciate injuries as well. So um I just think there's so many things there that like if you were to pick through the whole lot of it, 
you could just discount so much of it, which is it's just disappointing. You know, if a, if a, like Darry Egan will give an interview after the game and he'll hold his hands up, for example, that we've had a tough year. I've tried to do my best. Yeah, we had a good win today, but. I'm wholehearted and open and this is it. Whereas, and you could look at lots of managers, but Davey just deflects and it's, it's, it's a downfall because one last thing I'd say would be at the start of the year, we just said we felt that Watford hadn't addressed the issues that were there last year. And the very first articles I saw in the paper were deflection articles. Basically, we're moving on, we're turning over leaf, all this. And we said here, I'd say in the first podcast, Scale's words were, this won't end well. I don't think this will end well because they're deflecting. And here we are. It hasn't ended well. And I don't care about today. It hasn't ended well. So it just, it's just a pity that there's, it appears to be honest coming out in an interview and I just don't feel that honesty coming through. It's, it's just deflecting again. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And also, I think a reasonable point here about Waterford need to clear it. Last two managers have had the same player group down tools and Davey hasn't had the wanted effect. So, yeah, look, I think championship last year, that's very much on the players as well. I think you can't put this entirely on the current regime either. Um, I also saw one about, yeah, so this has come up a few times in the last week or so and I've seen people debate it. So why not have you two argued when we're talking about Waterford uh, from Colin Cronin here? Where would Waterford finish in the Leinster Championship? It'd be interesting. Third? Um, Better. I, I'm, I'm present moment. Yeah, they might finish third, but like that's a little bit more down to uh, like if you were to put this Watford team into Leinster, let's say in 2018 or 19, they'd probably finish fourth or fifth. Like as in when Wexford and Dublin are really going well, I would say they'd have problems. But at the moment this year, would Wexford not perform? And it'll be up for grabs with them in Dublin at the moment, really. Um, See the thing is with with, with Watford, they, they they they'll get up for they'll go up for Limerick, like you know they'll get up really well. But if they put in that performance against other teams, they might actually win. But they don't perform; they're quite inconsistent that way. So it's I'd say you'd have to conservatively say third at the moment. Go on, Skell. Where would they finish? Yeah, I, I just I, I'm doing matchups now as as Murph was talking with the beat Galway. Here we no. go. With the beat Kilkenny, <laughs> no. With the beat Dublin in Crow, in, in Crow Park. Um, yeah. See, I think it could be rattled. I think it could be rattled by Dublin. Like Dublin is the type of one that Watford could get rattled by. It's it's just a kind of a strange, a strange yeah. thing with them. Like, and like, would they beat Wexford and Wexford Park today? <laughs> like, it's yeah. just hard. I, I think I think to be fair to them, they they they, they would deserve third um, on this year's championship. But, but above that, no, no more than that. That's that's as far as I'm putting them. Um, and the reverse of this I've seen a couple of people put it here I'll, I'll just uh, paraphrase it if I can't find it which is oh here it is John OS uh, nothing at all between the Munster teams would Kilkenny or Galway get out of Munster go on Murph would they get out um, yeah yeah Kilkenny would get out of Munster and I think Galway would as well like I think the big thing that we point towards Kilkenny and Galway being in Leinster is that maybe they peak a little bit later because they don't necessarily have to come in as hot and heavy into the Leinster Championship as other teams in Munster. Whereas if I think you drop Kilkenny and, and, and Galway into the Munster Championship, and let's say we expand it out to seven teams, um, I still think Kilkenny and Galway evolve and yeah, they come out of they come out of it. Now, I don't think both teams come out of it each year. Like I don't think it's Kilkenny, Galway and, and, and Limerick are coming out each year. But... Um, I think if, if Kilkenny and Galway are exposed to that that type of co- competition, they do have deep panels, you know. They do have deep panels. They would expose a lot of players. And um, I do think that 
they would be extremely strong in Munster. It's but it, it, because Munster is so strong, it's very hard to say what three teams like. You'd be expanding it out to four or five teams at that stage anyway. Like probably five teams coming out of it. But definitely, like Kilkenny and Kilkenny and Galway absolutely would. Yeah. Hmm. Also, a few Waterford fans there making a point. Kilkenny will be the ultimate rivalry for them. This is why I think if we had a round robin that went after a knockout championship it'd be really good because actually some of the rivalries cross the provincial lines here because i was thinking about this scale last week so like galway and clare have got a rivalry you've got wexford and waterford waterford kilkenny tip kilkenny these teams would enjoy playing each other we don't actually get to see enough championship meetings between those teams yeah like i suppose pe- people have asked me in the past like who will be your biggest rivals and it's 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 hard in county especially when you're from, from Connacht, <laughs> because you don't develop in, in-house rivalries, but it, it depends on who you play a lot or who you're closest to. So in, if you ask anybody in South Galway, you, you, you draw a line around, around Baha and Gort and you know, and Kinvar in these places, and you ask them, like, who's their biggest rivals? I guarantee you they'll tell you Clare. Uh, and Clare have been a big rival going down to the past, whether it be recently in the in the, the 2010s or even the, the 90s, let's say, when we could have got them, let's say, in the late 90s, but we didn't. Um and like it's probably it's probably a healthy rivalry for that. But I think probably our biggest rivals obviously are Kilkenny because they're the ones that we always contest the Inter Championship with every year. And it's a real healthy rivalry. And I think because there's no animosity, there's no bitterness. It's just out and out hurling, which is which is healthy in my view. Um, and like long may it continue. But again, if they're asking for us to go into Monster, the two of us sure we'll we'll have to rock in the two of us and see who can we take them on. But on, yeah. that, on that point as well, Murph, like I think people people look at Galway and Kilkenny and they graph their current form off where Munster teams are at the minute. And I think if you yeah. put in Galway and Kilkenny into the Munster Championship at the same stage, obviously, um, and you ask them to, to provide the same level of performance, like they'd grow a lot quicker. Um, mm. like, absolutely. If someone asked me, would they come out? Yeah. Might every year, because it's so hotly contested and it's, so, it's such a difficult championship, but I think they'll come out, yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. Kind of, People in the comments disagree with you. I think uh, the vast majority are saying there, there's... Not much chance Kilkenny or Galway will get out of the Monster Championship. So shut let's, up. let's see how they get on there. Don't tell the listeners to shut up, Scale. I, 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 I will. Straight out, I'll tell them. Jesus. Oh, jeez. See, this where you're meant to be, you know, welcome people in, you know, have a chat. Kind of, That's you know, your job, be, not my job. My job is yeah, to actually actually assess them for what they say and then go back at them. <laughs> yeah, like the main, the main one is out of that is like if you were to list, say, go right to Kenny and Galway, you're now swapping with. Uh, you're now swapping Cork and Tipperary, for example. You're going to be a Munster and Cork and Tip, you're going to be the two Leinster teams. Hmm. Cork and Tip, right, after the league, do exactly what Galway and, and Kilkenny do. They go, okay, when, where are our big games here? Where are we playing each other? Where are we playing Wexford? Where are we playing Dublin? And then, okay, we're going to be playing Westmead and Antrim then. We're going to focus on those games. They're not going to take a whole lot out of us. We peak differently. And you will absolutely 100% see the evolution of Cork and Tip being exactly where Kilkenny and Galway are right now. And you'll see Kilkenny and Galway sitting into Munster and going, as we have to hit the road running here, we have to absolutely perform. And they do. So looking over at Galway playing Dublin, saying Galway are useless there today, they wouldn't get out of Munster. That's because Galway have had a completely different mental run into games than any team in, in Munster. Like, so this crack of comparing, is, it's apples and oranges. You can't go like, oh, sure, it's the exact same thing. I watched Galway today on a Sunday and I watched Cork as well. Cork are miles better. It's completely different. The running is completely different. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you, by the way, the Rubes on this one, which is what should have been a red zone. There's an NFL reference for you. Great comment. On the coverage today. Like, Absolutely. I would agree. I'd agree yeah. entirely. So, like, there was a lot going on, uh, even though the Westmead Antrim game, bizarrely enough, after about 45 minutes, ran away in Antrim's favour. Westmead were ahead. 
uh, at halftime in that game. And there was a lot going on. And it didn't help that they didn't all start at the same time, which they probably should have, despite the crowd congestion. But I think it should have been a case of when we saw it was clear that Wexford were in trouble, we should have been able to red zone to big moments in that game. Then you could go to Mullingar, see that Antrim have scored a goal. I think it would have enhanced the coverage massively. But I go back to the point that really that second game should have been available on GA Go. Um, yeah. It made sense to do it for Munster, by all means. I'm not saying you'd have to pick one or the other, but this is what GA Go was surely made for, was weekends like this. Like, I can yeah. kind of understand, Skell, why they want to show Dublin and Galway, because that's about who gets through to the Leinster final. And when Dublin were 12 points up in that game, you're thinking Dublin are going to get into a final. You're thinking maybe there's shades of 2013 here. So I can I can see why they made that pick. And I'm sure it's very convenient to have the cameras at Crow Park when you're going to have the cameras there for the Roscommon-Dublin game and for last night's game as well. Loads of practical reasons why you do it. But just... I think GA Goal should be able to step in there where it became really clear last week that Kilkenny Wexford was going to have more on the line than we thought it would. Yeah, but I, you said you used the word convenient. That, that, that kind of signifies a level of effort, if you ask me. I don't think they went above and beyond. I think with all the, I, I, the phrase I'd use is negative traction they've received over the last couple of weeks, I think it would have done really well if they went down to Wexford Park, you know, and sent in a set of cameras. Like, I think they can allow, again, it's not forced the game on top of people, but it's allowing them the opportunity to view it for themselves. And it's not about ratings, it's not about finance and income, etc. Give the people, again, give them what they're after, and if they choose, let's say, Wexford, Kikini, or be it. It might take away some rates from going Dublin, so be it, but that's, 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 the, the, that's the land we live in. And I just think the, the game has evolved, people have evolved, technology has evolved, the whole thing is moving on at a pace that maybe some people aren't comfortable with. But just put every game up on, up on a platform and give them the opportunity and then let them save for themselves. I think it's just a trick missed for GA goal, especially after the last number of weeks. Yeah, well, I, I was arguments. hoping you'd highlight that one up there, uh, Will. This one here? <laughs> it's Adrian McGrath for shots at skill again. I saw it. I was Adrian there. McGrath. <laughs> Adrian McGrath. This, this is the lad now, right? This I think you're dead now. right, Adrian. I think you're dead this right. The lad, this is the lad now that's organising the homecoming in us already. Not, not all for the Munster, it's Ireland. No. I'm going to go down there with a P. O'Donnell jersey on me there now for that comment he made against Galway. Absolutely. <laughs> look, again, I just I hope Adrian's going to come to the roadshow. He can have a pint with us afterwards. By all means, everyone in the live chat tonight is welcome to the roadshow. We'll be announcing yeah, the details on that. Down. Very, very soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way everyone sees, like, you know, scale activated come up. And again, you know, Danny Mack here, don't tell the listeners to shut up. Um, I, I think that was just probably good advice by me as a host in a more general sense. It's not something uh, you thought you'd ever have to tell people on off the ball, though, Will, is it? Like, don't, stop telling the listeners to shut up, like, you know. <laughs> I don't think it's, it's ever happened. Like, when someone texts into the show generally, we're like, yeah, t- tell the texters to shut up. And generally, in fairness, it's uh, far more civil discourse here in the hurling pod than it is on a oh, normal yeah. night on the show. Um, this is one for you, Scott, as well, from Christopher Conlon. It's a wake-up call for Tip. It might be the best thing that ever happened. So, Tipperary will go to Offaly in three weeks' time. Offaly are licking yeah. their wounds after being beaten in the Joe McDonough. So, Tipperary be expected to come through that game very comfortably. I think the path then after that, correct me anyone in the comments if I'm wrong, will be the beaten Leinster finalist then in a quarterfinal to then advance potentially into a semi-final. I yeah. Tip may well look at this and say, we've had our one game where we were complacent and maybe they're going to be on it after this go. So for me, I think this is what's going to happen. Uh, obviously, they have, they have to come through Offaly first. Then they're going to have to come through Kikini second. Uh, in, in, in the and then they might have to take down Limerick so, <laughs> and then go away so they have a tough one to well go for a while well done I'll give you that <laughs> no but I think it, it's a good question because I think they can count themselves lucky that um, that the performance they produced today didn't have uh, a more you know, 
severe set of circumstances because they could have been knocked out. And if they were knocked out, I'd, I'd say they've been kicking themselves for what they've done in the year so far. So yes, they look at this today and say, shots fired. Shots fired mm-hmm. and let's, let's take the warning. Let's, let's, let's take what we've learned today that if we're not <clears throat> up to... Not even ninety percent. If not, if you're not at a hundred percent mentally ready for for a battle coming into inter county game, especially at this stage of the championship moving forward, you're done. Your 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 goose is cooked. To be honest, so I think they'll they'll uh, they'll probably be on the back of some tough uh, talks and some tough drills with Liam Cahill for the for the next couple of weeks to come. And uh, to be honest, they deserve it. Like, and I, look, we have to we gave them credit last week for what they produced against Limerick, but then you have to go at them today and say like you have to back it up. Like that's what we were accusing Cork of in, in years previous. So that that was never associated with Tipperary ever. So that needs to be rattled out of their cages very quick and uh, get ready for Offaly in three weeks. Uh, right. So here's two quick fiery questions, which gets nicely into the Leinster chat as well. Patrick Coleman, lads, for the hell of it, call the All Ireland winner right now. Right now, Jesus. This is this is completely taking your heart out of it now at the moment, judging on form. Oh, yeah, judge you however you want. I mean, I would think judge you right now that if you were looking inside your crystal ball and you wanted to get to July, who's going to be walking up the steps of the Hogan Stand and picking up the cup? I've got semi final stage so far. I, I knew there'd be a notebook for this, and I saw it yeah. moving there in the background. Pen clicking, like you know, you hear some action, like. <laughs> just pen click straight away. Question, and you hear the click in the background. You have to write it down. It's one. It's one. No, actually what what does the now. infamous scale spreadsheet have so far? So I have Carlow and Dublin awfully in tip at the prelim quarterfinals. Then I yeah. have Dublin and Clare in tip at Kilkenny in the quarterfinals. Then I have Clare and Galway in tip at Limerick in the semi-finals, and I've stopped there. Nice. <laughs> so Kilkenny are out. Out. <laughs> Good luck to you. You're about, you're about uh, to answer the question about the Leinster final in a minute, but go on. So who are you picking to win then, Skull? Uh Jesus. That's a hard one. I'm gonna have oh, fuck. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to say put, take, take my heart and head over and have to say Limitless. Yeah, I just have to. Yeah. That's that's where I'm leaning at the moment. Like is in like again, if you're to go through like Claire in one side at the moment you're going geez, they're hurling with great passion and so on. But you're just, the one thing for me with Claire where you're going, if they have all the passion in the world and all the heart, if they had a small bit more, they were a little bit more steady in terms of not conceding so many goals and giving leads to teams and all these different things, you go, Jesus, actually Claire potent here, you know? Maybe if they had a few more lads come off the bench. I mean, if you're looking at, like Kenny picked up a few injuries today as well, for example, you're looking at all these things, like, you know, and Kenny going to play Galway now. Like, let's say if Kenny beat Galway, like grand like in Galway are thinking the same thing they're into a semi-final and you're a little bit fresher than the Munster team you're going to meet in 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 the semi-final so Kilkenny and Galway are two, two really good positions it's just a matter of what comes out of Munster you'd have to say that Limerick could sustain a few injuries where you can't imagine Clare will and that's touch wood like you know you can't imagine Clare will and it's a hard road to get to there so the reason why you know, the process of elimination, you say Limerick will get to an All-Ireland final because they have, I know people say they don't have a panel, they do have a panel there to get to an All-Ireland final. And then you're looking at Kilkenny or Galway, who again will have the panel without the injuries to get to an All-Ireland final. Uh, and it's a shootout then. But like, if you if you were playing a game against who and knocking it down, Limerick are still there in the All-Ireland final. And if Limerick get to an All-Ireland final, like, then it goes back to the phrase I said at the start, they know how to win matches and it comes down to one match there. So at the moment, it's still Limerick, you know? Hmm. 
Um, I think uh, particularly Mingo as well Jennifer Sullivan makes a fair point here let's call a spade a spade every team has faced Limerick has thrown the kitchen sink at them typically has been followed up with a lacklustre performance apart from Clare this year um, has to be a 50-50 final coming up in the Munster decider uh, for those who are asking where it is like that's going to be the debate probably tomorrow to me Tom Semple's field seems like the obvious place to go but um, it felt like there was a bit of a campaign last week about Porky Cueve potentially hosting Clare against Tipperary when everyone felt they were going to be the two teams in the final as opposed to Limerick so we shall see uh, over the next while uh, Ray asking when and where is the roadshow uh, I think I could probably announce this next week or maybe the week afterwards so um, hold your hat till the next pod um, but yeah hopefully everyone who's here or many people here can go because we're going to have some some really good guests I think Nash might well hold out until that night as opposed to coming on to us live but anyway um, P well as well put all 10 teams into one super group all play each other top two Munster and Leinster final in the group into provincial finals and top two other teams qualify for a quarter final I think they will look to change this um, we've been predicting this a few times is that I think it will get to a point where the round robin is back now and it's fresh because we had the COVID years but they will get a point where I think they'll look to shake it up in some way uh, Cork gave a 65 minute performance day last year it was 60 coming on I thought we had them. Uh, we got a decent bit ahead in the third quarter, but they came right back. There, there were different stages during that match, Murph, as well, where Cork did things to Limerick that not too many other teams do. Like, they reeled off six points in a row at one stage. Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, again, we, we've talked about Cork very positively, but we shall see where it goes. Will, I don't, it's not, um, I already saw some people arguing the game should be in Borough as opposed to in Tullamore, but uh, let that debate continue. It will definitely will be in Tullamore in three weeks' time, by the way. Uh, get on to your stats, lads. This monster year must be the closest in ages, coming in from Colin Cronin. Uh, draws and one-point games galore. Dead rubber game. Last round changed the final madness. Yeah, uh, we have a few stats guy who can probably uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, the Verney lad will have to take more tip medicine. Look, I, I think in fairness, right, Michael Verney and I went school with a fair few lads from Tipperary. We, we put up enough of it. Um, awfully were successful at the start. The tip lads were miserable watching the uh, Lee McCarthy Cup coming into school. And then afterwards, tip brought it in. And, uh, you know, it's not easy living in a border town, lads. So let's talk about the Leinster situation at the weekend just gone by then. Because a few people were saying predict the Leinster final. We've got a Galway man here. We've got a Kenny man here. I can predict already who they're going to pick. Skell has already indicated that Galway are going to win the Leinster final. Um, but Skell, tell me about Galway today. Because oh, Dr. Geez. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, first half, atrocious. I was going to switch the game off at halftime. And they were so bad. And in the second half, they were pretty decent and they came back and reeled Dublin in. So what do you make of the Galway performance today? I, had a, I was watching the game on my own, right? And I had the two kids beside me and they wouldn't sit down quite. And between the, the match <laughs> going terrible and the kids going crazy, I was losing my mind, right? I mean, I was losing my mind. So finally, I got to watch it back anyway, the first half in my own time, in the peace of my own mind, which sometimes is worse. But it was, the first half was as bad a display from a Galway team as I can remember. Ever, ever. I can. I, I can't remember a, a, a half as bad. Not because of some of the, you know, some of the maybe call it errors, but it was just it was the monotonous type of error. We kept doing the same thing over and over again. It was obvious Dublin dropped out the half forward line, and we kept poking the ball down on top of the Dublin numbers, and they kept poking into the forward line score, and we did this over and over and over again, and it was just a lackluster display, and like it was. From an attitude perspective, we spoke about Tip being complacent and Galway was the exact same way, epitomised by the, by the goals we conceded. Shocking. Like, just shocking. Like, you know. And if Tip got a kick in the hole, Galway got a kick in the hole. And me, as a Galway person, I was disgusted in the first half looking at them because I know what these lads are like. They're far better than this. 
It's just that they got into a complacent state of mind, but they didn't fix the problem themselves in 35 minutes. Like they kept doing the same thing over and over again. It took until half time to get analysis in front of them to, to show where they were going wrong, to make a few adjustments and then come back, come out and do, do a bit better. But then flip the coin. It's, when it all changed, as is when Sean and Len, Brian Cannon and Jason Flynn came on. That's when it all changed. We got a bit of energy out of the three of them boys. Sean, Sean and Len marked his men. That's the first thing. <laughs> marked his men and put a bit of a, uh, a hole in Danny Sutcliffe and whatnot. And then Brian and J.O. caused a bit of problems for, for, for Dublin. And then we started to tie all the way back into it. But there was loads to work on from that game. And like we got out of it alive. Uh, we did an awful lot wrong. We came through with a point. Uh, we're not get two points, if you ask me, on to Minster final. But like, it's worrisome, Will. Like, it really is worrisome that if we go back to Crow Park, like, in the last number of times we've been to Crow Park, we obviously, minus the Limerick game, we played the Leinster final against Kilkenny where we were poor, uh, outfought and outbeaten. Before that, we played Dublin in the Leinster Championship the year previous. We were absolutely annihilated. So, like, our, our record in Crow Park the last number of years has not been positive. So, we, if we're going to make any, against strides in the Championship, it has to start now in a couple of weeks in, 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 the, in Crow Park Leinster final. We have to do something right because today's performance won't get us within 10 points of Kilkenny. Hmm. Is that him playing them down, Murph, or is that what your assessment to be Galway today as well? Oh no, they were they were poor today. Like the first half, sure, they gave two goals to Dublin, like, um, and it was just real lackluster stuff. They were extremely flat, and I was just looking at my notes here from the game, and flat was the one thing that was just kept coming through, and like flat figuratively now as well, just in their performance, like the lines that they were playing, there was no bit like once Dublin penetrated the half back line, they were true. Um, they were just so kind of casual about going about their business, striking a few wides in as well, you know, early on kind of setting the tone. Um, and just like the goals in themselves just kind of indicate, you know, the kind of the casual way they went about it, like the pass that went across. And then in fairness, the attitude of Danny Sutcliffe to go running in, like there were two Galway lads standing there at the same time, but Sutcliffe made the ball true to get it because the goal was on. And the thing is with Dublin as well is that Dublin are a confidence team. Like, they have loads of running. And, like, that's the kind of culture in Dublin. If you ever go up and play a Dublin club team or anything, they, they're in your face. And if you give them a bit of confidence, they love they love it taking it from there then and building on it. They probably just didn't have the quality to keep kicking on. And they kind of went into a bit of a flat period themselves. But, like, in fairness to Galway, look, after 40 minutes, I had a note there that they were 12 points down after 40 minutes. And they just found a way of coming back into the game. Like, I mean, Jesus, Dahi Burke coming into it there, going up and scoring a goal. But, like, they needed a fella to come and grab it by the scruff of the neck. And here he was in the 16-yard box. Like, that takes an individual to step up and do that. But you'd wonder if Dahi Burke just sat at centre-back and didn't go up. I don't think Galway would have got back into the game. They needed something to press the reset button and go at them again. Um, but it was just, it's, it's a performance. If you go back to it, it nearly reminds me of the Leinster final against Kilkenny last year, where you were coming into it thinking, you know, Galway, if they hit form here, could go really well. And they just never really turned up. Like, again, it was a flat feeling again. They went to play one way, and then when it wasn't working out for them, didn't really adjust or didn't didn't manage to change what they were doing too easily. So, no, like, I mean, in fairness, like, Galway have a savage panel of great players, and we saw what they can do against Kilkenny, you know, when you go up against them. Um, and I do think the Leinster final will be a different, will be a different battle. Um, but for for Galway as a whole, they'll be disappointed with the way they went about today altogether. Because similar to Tipperary, you know, their day was in their own hands here to go out, perform, move on to the next one. Because in fairness, Dublin haven't changed since they played Kilkenny last week. They haven't changed. You know, they're the same team. Um, so they should have went out and racked up six six points or a ten point victory there, playing really well. They give credit to Dublin as well. Like you know, they, they put in a good performance. But mm. if you take them goals out of it, like. 
you know, Dublin should have never got ahead by what they went ahead by. Um, and it'll be a little bit of concern for Galway. It'll be a little bit because you can you can take these things in the league where teams don't perform and it, you say, oh, OK, well, it's only in the league. You know, this is Leinster semi-final stuff essentially here today. Like that's not that, that that's not good enough really from Galway. So, um mm-hmm. Look, it's a strange Leinster final quinta as well because Kilkenny haven't been bet by Wexford, albeit you can probably make your peace with the terms that Kilkenny were bet by because, you know, Galway's backs were to the walls, but Dublin's backs weren't to the wall today, you know. Um, so it's, it's, it's a strange one, but I can understand where Skettle's coming from, absolutely. They're not, they're, not the, they're not the well-rounded package at the moment. Um, the charge here is just about Galway's inconsistency, but Skell, to ask you about Dublin, is this a golden opportunity missed? Because they were in a winning position in that game to get to a Leinster final, and they left it behind them in the second half. I wouldn't say it's an opportunity missed. I, I'd say it's a great step forward for them. I think there's probably belief in what Michal and Lads are trying to achieve now, and especially like again, we we talked about the clientele they're missing over last year. I think there's 15 or 16 guys who who are new to this setup and like and who've now chased the championship experience in Crow Park, and it'll stand with them next year. They're not on the same trajectory as as let's say a Cork air. But they're certainly going in the same direction. And I, I think they were really good at times. They exposed Galway. They played a much smarter game than Galway in the first half. Um, they adapted. But ultimately, Dublin, when it went kind of man-to-man, Galway pushed up and, I suppose, said let's, said, let's go 15 or 15. They didn't have a plan B to take Galway down. And it just became a question of numbers. Like, Galway just had better individual players in in, in specific moments to, to, to get big scores. And, like, you're right there, Murph, about Dottie Burke. Like, when people say... When people say he got the game with a scruff of the neck, that's that's sometimes the figure of speech. But Dahi Burke literally said, "I'm going up there, getting that goal. I'm catching this ball of the puck out because if you, the rest of you don't do it, I'll do it." You know, mm-hmm. and it's just like in the stage when the, the game was closing up, Dublin didn't have that person. Will you know? I thought that I thought Sutcliffe did well, Dorn Burke did well, Keenan Sunderland did well. You know, Boland when, when the game was was in their favour in the first half, when they had space and they had opportunities, like everyone looked great. But when the game got really tight and they had to battle. You know, which they did for five minutes to win the last three, don't get me wrong, but just they didn't have that person or personnel that could say, right, we're going to win this game for Dublin. And I suppose if, when you're going forward <clears throat> and assessing Dublin's realistic chances of moving forward, like what, what's their ceiling? You know, and if, the, if they need Dolan Burke and they need Dolan Donald, they need these boys to be grabbing these games, as Murph said, like, like exactly what, you know, Brian Cannon did it, although you mightn't see it, but what he did, he caused hassle. He ran it, he ran at Dublin. Dahi did it. Joseph Cooney did it. You know, I think he got five points from play today, like at a time when Galway were playing shite. So that, though, that level of calibre player, Dublin, they have it on individual from day to day, but collectively when the heat comes on, they just don't seem to be able to put it together. And I think as they grow like as a group, let's say, and as a team, and as Michal has more time with them, they, they will get better. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't class it as a milestone for Dublin in terms of this is them to go set off now on a good run. Like, because ultimately they, they, they have a big test now. And they'll come through Carlo, right? They have to go to Carlo next, yeah. But then they're going to go on the Munster site, right? So that's going to be tricky for them. So like, you'd imagine they'll come through Carlo. You, you certainly expect it, although their history in this stage of the competition has been great in the years previous. But you'd imagine they come through, uh, come through Carlo and then they've a showdown with Clare Limerick. Clare Limerick, yeah. That's not simple. That's not simple, you know. So look, they've done what they, they've done what they thought I'd do with this, this uh, at uh, the start of the year that they get out. Hmm. So that's fair. No, Murph. I think um, we weren't alone. I think uh, Joe Canning felt this. Uh, Conal Keeney talked about the fact that you know, Dublin were better at Parnell Park. But I'm starting to wonder now, after seeing Dublin's pace, particularly in that first half, and dragging Galway around the field, that maybe this was a very good decision by Miguel Donoghue and his Galway management to get them two run-outs at Crow Park. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think it's more of a legacy thing where we think that Dublin are better in Parnell Park. Because I don't think, I think we're right in saying the stats don't actually match up. That's the whole reason that Michal Dunhu went to Crow Park. But yeah. um, certainly when I was playing, let's say, like I, I, I would have started playing senior with Kenny around 2009, let's say, in Walsh Cup and kind of getting runs with them. And you go up to Parnell Park and it was, it was not to say intimidating, but it was, in one way, it was intimidating because they feel like they're on the pitch. And at that time, um, you know, the crowd were really getting behind the Dublin Hurling team and they had savage players, like, you know, and they just, they looked like a team with a, that upward trajectory, as, as Skettle is saying there. And um, it was such a tough place to go and you were battered for days after coming out of it because they physically went and they hit you really hard. They got in your face. They had the likes of Keeney and these lads who were able to put the scores on the board, Dotsy and all these lads. You know, they, they really went at it, like, you know, Alan McCrabb and all these lads. But... They they kind of let that mantle slip over a few years, and it, it, it kind of unknowingly or un, subconsciously we didn't really see it going. It just kind of slipped away, and like Parnell Park isn't that fortress anymore. Realistically, you know, it's not that fortress. It's not a place where certainly Kilkenny over the last few years fear going because you know to get results. Um, so in fairness, it it it, it has looked. I agree with you. It does look like a great call of Michal Donahue. And do you know what? Maybe it took someone like okay, fairness. They've had they've had lads from outside the county anyway for the last few years managing. But maybe it did take that kind of okay. Well, you know. Parnell Park, if Michal Dunhu put himself in the boots of, of being a Galway manager going to Parnell Park, he'd say, well, we, we fancy ourselves winning there. But you know what? When we went to Crow Park against Dublin, we found that a little bit tougher. Maybe that's just the, the angle he came at it from. But it is. It seems to be a good move. And realistically, if if, if Dublin wants to win it, then they have to win it at Crow Park. So getting those guys used to Crow Park is not a bad thing either. No. Um, here's some quick fiery style questions for both of you around Leinster at the moment. Uh, Nessa asks, question for Skehel. Do you think Conor Whelan should be played in a different position? Yeah, I, I think his movement for the full forward line now is not good this year. <clears throat> like if you look at the movement of other full forward lines where they're going back and forth and creating space, he just seems to be always under a contest. And in the shooting angles he has to, whether he creates them for himself or he lands himself in those areas, they're always in the sideline on the 21, 30-yard line where he's shooting for an outrageous area. And it's just like, how come we don't have him in near the goals? And look, granted, against the lesser teams, like he seems to pop up with a goal or two. But like, we, we want him firing on all cylinders against Kilkenny, Limerick, Cork, these teams. Uh, and it's just, it's it, we're, we're not getting it at the moment. So I, I don't know, somewhere around the half hour, anyway, so to do something because we have to get him on the ball. He didn't touch the ball today for 19 minutes. 19 minutes, Conor Hill didn't get the ball. That's far too long to say anything over a quarter of the game for a lot of his quality. So something has to happen because it. it we played Kilkenny. He did sweet. He did. He got two points in the first half, but then he, he got fairly shackled by Hugh Lawler. So he, he said that was a quiet day. Limerick last year, he was didn't do an awful lot at all. Um, and a year that he was going well. This year, he's not going so well. So something has to move. Something has to change. So if we're to go forward, hmm. uh, Patrick Coleman here for Murph. Is a Leinster final win really that big a thing for Kilkenny? Ah, it's important. It's important for them to go and win. Um, it's not the look. Being honest, it's not the same as um, a Munster team going and win the Munster Championship. Just because the competition hasn't been there over the last few years, you saw in 2019 what it meant to Wexford because they haven't won one in so long. Um, but look for Kilkenny. It's more of a marker of that their year is headed in the right direction at this stage. It's not to take away from it. Like we've had great times after Leinster finals, heading down the road with a, with um, the Bob O'Keefe on, on the front of the bus is brilliant, absolutely. But you know. I can certainly, at times, look, to be honest, I can point to some league finals where you've won them and it's more the manner in how you won it 
created the savage atmosphere afterwards and the sense of achievement. So, um, look, at the moment, if Kilkenny and Galway win Leinster, they're, you know, they're not going to lose their minds, but it is a great marker. Anytime you go to Pro Park and win silverware and head home, it's brilliant. So, look, again, like I said, it's, it's, not, it's not the equivalent of Munster, but it's, it's, um, it's important for either Galway or Kilkenny or whoever else might be over the next few years to win because it sets your, sets your year up nicely. Hmm. Is this fair or is this character assassination? Kieran Fahey, Hugh Lawler can be a bit of a diver, Murph. Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I don't, I don't think I've seen anything from Hugh Lawler. Um, I think he's a very physical, honest player. Um, I haven't seen anything for, to date on you to say that he's been diving anyway. If anything, I've seen like he's an absolute animal of a man. Um, he's himself, and going back to Conor Whelan, two of them have had savage battles and I don't see, hmm. I've never seen anything cynical from Hugh Lawler. I've never seen him diving. Um, I've only ever seen him fucking hit lads very hard and, and get up after it. So I don't, I don't even know where that where that diver or that diving thing is coming from. Hmm. Uh, this one for Skell as well from Killian Ryan. Ask Skell, what's the story with Galway's injuries this year? Um, geez, had a few, haven't they? I suppose you're talking about Fintan Burke came back late. I came back after a break because of age. Uh, Manning had a hamstring injury that I don't think was managed too well, and came back too soon, and I was out injured again. Dave Burke's um, knee, there's not a lot he can do. Dave is, is an injury that just happens, you know, teams from time to time where they get one of these guys and he's a huge loss. Uh, in terms of injuries, I'm not sure about Keenan Fahey. Conor Cooney missed the Westmead game and think it's through rest or through a slight knock. Other than that, Will, I don't think there's an awful lot more than that. I could be I could be mistaken. I could be open to correction. But I think they're pretty standard injuries, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, they happen. I mean, yeah. I don't think we're talking about a, a list of soft tissue injuries where you'd say, mm, maybe there's an issue with the preparation here. This is, like, I mean, look at Wexford's injuries, look at Waterford's injuries during the wear as well. Yeah. No, I, no, I wouldn't say that's not the ordinary. If it, was a, it was, if it was a type of injury that was repetitive, like if, if, if four or five guys had groin injuries or four or five guys had hamstring injuries, then I'd, I'd raise a question mark. But they don't. They're all, they seem to be different injuries of different types with different recovery, recovery times. So I just think it's pretty standard with, with uh, top-level hurling. Uh, yeah, I don't know if uh, Conor Cleary is going to be back. Obviously, a shoulder injury, but this is one for Skell because of his own shoulder injury history. What's the recovery time like for it? For Tinge? Um, well, see, if it came out of the socket, right, like recovery, he could need surgery. You know, he can get it back in, but ultimately, if he's done the ligament damage and the muscle damage, like he's out for, you know, 12 to 14 weeks at least before he gets back into a stage where he can even con- con- compete. It's, it, 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 t- it depends on how much damage he did in the ligaments, the nerves up here. That if he's lost feeling in his shoulder, then he won't be able to heal as fast. And if he requires surgery, if he requires surgery, it's I think it's long to take me. I think about twenty weeks, give or take. Right. So it's not short. But looking at his pain, looking at the pain, you could tell by the pain. So when he when he put his arm up like and he was walking off, I said that left shoulder is well gone. So it came out to the front. Mm-hmm. So he's I'd be amazed if he uh, if, if he plays. Yeah. Six weeks, man. Forget about it. Six weeks. It'll pop out again straight away. Trust me, I, I've done it four times, twice in his shoulder. So it's like, <laughs> forget about it. Uh, again, that, that's where Paul McGrath comes into it. Talking to him last night, I didn't know he nearly missed the 1994 World Cup entirely because he did his shoulder in the League Cup final against Man United that year. And basically to get through to the final, to get through the final scale, he basically got injected as many times as they possibly could to numb. He said nearly his whole left side of his body was numb as a result, but he said the shoulder never really healed properly. And he just kind of got to the 94 World Cup and was carrying his arm and his shoulder throughout the tournament. He really should have went for yeah. surgery and actually taken the full summer off. 
I know how he feels. Mm. <laughs> Those injections are good for the start, but then when they wear off, well, <laughs> when they wear off, <laughs> it's not so nice. Jesus <laughs> Skelly, never thought you'd be mentioned in the same sentence as Paul McGrath, did you? <laughs> Shoulder injuries, but nevertheless, take it. Take it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Exactly. Have you mentioned the worst sentences? <laughs> <laughs> well, Murph, as the expert here, hold on here. Here's Darren Nestor again making a claim about Murph. Was it Murph that rugby tackled Galan off the ball in the lead up to Kilkenny's winning point in 2019? No, Ooh. it wasn't me. Rugby tackling. No. Kilkenny's winning point in 2019. No. I didn't were you hanging on in 2019? Oh, we need to go back and watch the video of that and have a look. Yeah, at no, that. I didn't rugby tackling a land. I don't think so, yeah. No. Mm. Uh, crack of the ash being tremendously cynical. Diving does not exist in Kilkenny. So, mm. oh. uh, can't make such a claim about that. Um, this one for you, Murph. Tom O'Hall here. Who do Clare put in now at full back? I Assuming, of course, he doesn't get back. Yeah. Does McInerney go in full back? Dave McInerney played there a good few times. Like I know they brought on Shane Amory last day. It wasn't it Shane Amory they brought on from last day? And kind of, but obviously Shane Amory went up more kind of midfield and actually popped up with the ball straight away. Um, I didn't because there was so much movement. I didn't see exactly, let's say, their exact replacement who stood in at the edge of the D. But I like the likes of David McInerney there. I would say Clare probably have a few more lads that could slot into the wing back position and go bombing up the wings. Um, the likes of Shane Amory, but. You, you only have X amount of lads on a team who could probably sit in their own full back at the number three position. So I think probably Dave Mack goes in there and it's a bit of a loss for them going forward. But if I if it correct me, or if I'm, if I'm right in saying it, in the second half for Clare, um, McInerney, did he give away, was it the penalty he gave away? And then he bombed up and he got a point nearly straight away afterwards, kind of make nearly making amends for it. Um, so I think McInerney could be the kind of, the bit of, the steady hand that they could have back there while also having the confidence to actually go forward with the ball. So I think that's the, the nice dynamic they're looking for. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go from watch the hurling highlights now in a second. But one more that I want to throw at you because I kind of had it from the very early stages of this and you can take it first, Gail, if you want. Come in from Kieran O'Donovan. It's starting to become an issue with all the close games and high scores that it's too easy to score in hurling now. There's a scoring chance with virtually every attack. And this kind of brings it nicely into being able to talk about the Joe McDonough final, which was wide open at both ends at different stages during the game and awfully hit 26 wides over the 90 minutes. Uh, Carlo were a lot more clinical, but there were so many chances within that game. Loads of goal chances, loads of long-range shooting. And we're seeing that all the time. I mean, look at the scoring in the games today. I don't have a problem with it, but do you think it's getting a bit too much like basketball to bring in another American sport reference here? <laughs> I... I <clears throat> You know what I mean now? Like I, I, I'm a bit romantic when it comes to the game. I say when I see the skills executed at a good level, and mm. if there's loads of scores, I mean that, that for me means there's loads of opportunities being created, and for opportunities to be created, created it means there's loads of excellent play. And you can talk about the hurl, and you can talk about the slitter, and whatnot. But the level of player we have now is is at a level that we've never seen before. We've never seen like the strength. We've never seen the physicality, the fitness, the skill. You know, the the top level players amongst all teams normally used to have one or two outliers. Now we've got a heap of guys who can score. And it's just, I think it's great to see. And like, it's, it actually disappoints me to hear people saying, right, how do we bring the score back down? How do we make it more competitive? And I get it because yesterday when I watched the Joe Mac final, it felt like puck out, catch, point, puck out, catch, point. You know, that's the way it felt for about 15 minutes, especially in the second half. The first quarter, third quarter was ridiculous. But it was just the execution of both teams was so good. Mm. You know, just there was no misses, and there was, and it wasn't as if there were piss easy shots. There were difficult angles also. I, I, for me, it's just a case of that we we have the best product in the sport that we've ever had before. Mm. So, and it's only going to get better if you ask me. And what I hate seeing is different people, whether they be online or in in rooms making rules, 
that they're trying to restrict the sport because they want to make it more competitive. They want to have more ball in play time and more hits and whatnot. But then they'll find an issue with that too. So I think just leave our while alone. There's a couple of things to assess. Yes, obviously, the hand pass being one. We won't touch on that. And uh, and then let it off. No, no, we'll go back to the hand pass in a second because it won't talk with the experiment. Just on that window as well. I, I actually, like, for me, the, 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 the whole description of like, oh, do you think it's scoring too much? Like, we go to games to see scores. We go to games to see points, see goals. That's what we go for. For me, it's like going to a comedy gig, coming away from it, going, I, I think I laughed too much at that. I think I went there and it was, I was laughing a bit too much. <laughs> I want to earn it a bit more. I'd rather not laugh for long periods. Like, that's what the same feeling is for me. Like, you go to see scores. You go to see points and goals. And if you're cheering and you're clapping for 70 minutes, so how bad, you know? Um, like, the worst thing I can think of is watching a Premier League game. And not to be bad in soccer here, but a nil-nil draw, 90 minutes and not one score in it. Like, for me, that's 90 minutes wasted. And I don't care if lads go, oh, it was a great, it was a cagey game. Useless. I'd rather watch a game where you have two very average teams in hurling, but they're hitting scores over from wherever. And there's weights and there's everything. There's imperfections in it. But this crack of going, oh, there's too many scores. Like, we're really, like, we're, we're, we're uh, like, we're too blessed now to have that as a, as a, as a complaint that teams are scoring too much, you know? Yeah, these guys are too strong. They hit the ball too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, they're yeah. too tall. They're too fast. Like, <laughs> yeah. The hurdles are too big. Why don't we just play a game of fucking bubble soccer? Pretty <laughs> <laughs> bad in bubble soccer. There's a lot of people who enjoy that. <laughs> a lot of stags in Ireland who enjoy bubble soccer. I never played it, to be honest. I would, uh, I would think you guys probably enjoyed the McDonough Cup final more than I did, given the uh, the way it ended yeah. in the end. Um, but uh, some praise uh, coming in here just a couple moments ago about uh, Mousy Cavanaugh, one of the best forwards in Ireland. Yeah, he was on our McDonough. And Christy Ring team that we picked a few uh, weeks ago and we picked a 15. Uh, again, I thought, I, I don't know how you felt about Murph, but I thought Boland was the star really when it came yeah. to the Carlo forwards. Like everyone was talking about uh, Nolan and Cavanaugh's scores coming into it and Carlo were scoring 31 points a game going into the final. They were in some ridiculous shooting and I thought their shooting was so effective. And in the case of Boland and some of the other guys inside that forward line, they were so good at winning primary possession. Like the amount of times were, the ball yeah. came in high and a Carlo man was there to get the catch. Yeah, they were. And look, they just knew what they were about. And even seeing just the manager talking before the game and he was saying, like, in fairness to him, really, um, really balanced, I suppose, kind of a preview of the game saying, look, we're up for this and, you know, we, we know what we want to do and it's a tough battle against Offaly. Very honest. But you could see as soon, maybe not for the first five minutes because Offaly took off really well in the game. But after that, you know, Carlo were just, you know, so in lads' faces. And you'd have to say, like Chris Nolan, very similar to Decky Dalton nearly again in the same vein like he was going around kind of pushing lads bullying lads getting his few scores getting in lads faces as well causing a bit of bother and you know he hurled really well as well and particularly you know getting the last score there as well like I mean a huge score to get but there were so many lads um, that you could look at all over the pitch there was really great displays um, and even just thinking now this key, the, the, the off the keeper's name is slipping my mind now at the moment but Stephen two Corcoran. brilliant saves mm-hmm. Stephen Corcoran the first was it 15 minutes? Two top class saves and took a wrap then as well in the middle of it. Um, there was lots of great, um, there was lots of great displays as well. Even seeing at the first few minutes, I thought when Charlie Mitchell went through and got the goal, I said, geez, look, these few lads now, the likes of Charlie Mitchell, who is an up and coming lad for Offaly, there's potential here that he could take over the day. But then once the game settled into it, there was just great displays all over the pitch. And for me as a neutral, certainly, look, Will, you had skin in the game and you were texting mm. into us there, you were climbing the walls. But for a neutral, it was absolutely brilliant. It was a brilliant yeah, game. Um, and I saw a few people saying it now, and the best way to put it was like, I think Michael Verney actually said it, what an advertisement. It was just a brilliant, brilliant game. 
the atmosphere and everything, even though the crowd in Crow Park, you look again, you'd say with the numbers that were there, it wouldn't feed for a good atmosphere. Far from it. Incredible atmosphere up there. So, like, I mean, Offaly, it won't be much consolation for Offaly, but two incredible teams. It took two teams to make that match. And, um, and I, I think you know, none of us wanted to see it go to penalties either, necessarily. Yeah. I don't mind penalties. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, whichever team deserved to win it, they nearly deserved to win it in normal time, having the final whistle blow and, you know, or extra time, whatever. No, I deserve to score to win it. Sorry, Scale, you were going to say? I was going to ask you a question, Will. I yeah. say, Nelly's hand is broke. Do you reckon if he stood on the pitch, uh, obviously, if he didn't get hurt, you'd have won the game? Uh, I think when the line ball came up, it was the first yeah. thought in my head, yeah. That's what I'm aiming towards, yeah. I think in like all year, he's been putting them over in pressure situations and he's one of the best line ball takers in the country. And you're just there thinking, he took one for the team, running in and putting his hand in where he probably yeah. shouldn't have. But uh, like Adrian Cleary got a big block towards the end of the game as well when Offaly went on that run in the last 10 or 11 minutes. And they're the type of blocks you have to make to try and get a turnover, to get into the position where they were to get back level. And I'll admit, I was conflicted that extra time. I was like, shit, I have to go. But also at the same time, I'm thinking... The fact that Offaly got those last four scores and they were going back to 15 men and you're just thinking, maybe this is a chance to get Keelan Kiley back onto the pitch. He clearly wasn't right. I mean, this is the unfortunate thing about him picking up the concussion against Kerry a few weeks ago. He's had a very limited training schedule over the last two weeks and Owen Cal had a very uncharacteristic day with his freeze in front of goal. We're Offaly at two or three different free takers during the game. I think it went to Kylie, and then eventually Nally started hitting some of them as well and then Cal went back onto them at some stage. He got some good mm-hmm. scores from play. It just it didn't happen for some of the Offaly players during it. And there was a lot of wayward shooting. And I'm sure it's going to be an ugly watch because they have to get ready for Tipperary now. So I'm sure they'll sit down and re-watch that McDonough Cup final. And they'll curse the amount of wides that they hit. They still score about 131 during the game. But to add another 26 or 27 chances that should really have been sent over, that's going to be the killer for them. But as I said to you guys going in last week, and it was no Yarra whatsoever... Carlo went in with great form and like I wouldn't write a whole lot into the last game where Offaly were making all those changes but Carlo's form was good before that game and they carried that scoring form into the final and I hope that next year they go into that championship now and give it a good rattle we saw Antrim stay up this year I think the most important thing for the teams coming out of the McDonough is that they don't yo-yo directly back into the McDonough for the season afterwards and there's enough to like about that Carlo team and again they talk about Offaly's youngsters and three of the under 20 players saw game time there on Saturday you already mentioned Charlie Mitchell but I thought young Burke in midfield was really really good for Offaly as well uh, Carlo got some young players coming through in that group too obviously they're spearheaded by the likes of Marty Cavanaugh who's been around for so long so he's Carlo's top scorer of all time uh, but I hope that next year they're able to kick on and an incredible incredible final and I think the team who were better at winning their own ball and better in front of goal won the final I don't think anyone could really dispute that that Carlo weren't the best team uh, an interesting one I saw there a little while ago before that as well um, someone was arguing how would these two lads get on the modern game these two lads retired from Intercounty what two years ago <laughs> has the game changed that much Murph in the two oh, years we'd be fine since? we'd be fine uh, <laughs> <laughs> Grant, see, the funny thing is when you retire you actually still think you can do it I don't think that goes so like you're just uh you think, should put me out tomorrow? What's changed? Absolutely nothing. And then suddenly you go in and you get blown out of it then by Connor Wheel and you go, oh, actually, that's, that's, that's why you're retired. Oh, yeah. So it's funny, we, back in the gym a few years ago, right, our S&C coach used to make us do these kind of tumbles overhead to get warm, right? Mm. So my daughter comes to me yesterday, she's four, she goes, Daddy, look what I can do. And she goes down and tumbles out over her head. You know, <laughs> in, sure, in, it's great, not, not in a bad way. I said, yeah, I, I can do that too. And then I tried and I was like, no, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. I'll break your neck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
A good point on Tamil Ali, by the way. This is a guy who's got incredible club CV behind him and is now really like the golden touch going in uh, to get Carlo through the Joe McDonough to qualify for the Leinster Championship. He's done a, a fantastic job. I think any times you hear him talking, he's a very, very impressive uh, communicator as well. Uh, Danny Mack wondering, was a bad technique for Ali in the blockdown? I think it was just a case of Ali was making a desperation. I think he was like, he mm, could see yeah. the ball was about to be cleared out. He's like, I'm going to get back in here and however possible hurl hand I'm getting something there to make sure it doesn't get out there and uh, my last point on the the experience of the McDonough because only this morning that I actually got to see the game back properly and it's weird it's such a different experience and even the fact the camera was the other way around uh, to where we were sitting felt a little bit disorientating not to do a Don Logue on it uh, when I was re-watching the stream this morning but um, I, I feel for Adrian Cleary who took the last shot for Offley which could well have equalised the game because he scored in five points during the rest of the game and he showed a lot of balls at different shots that he'd taken on and you know he was obviously devastated at the full-time whistle but you need someone we're talking about Tom Morris earlier on you need someone who actually is willing to step up and take the shot and John S saying as well I would like to have seen Tom Mullally get the Wexford job last time I said after Mount Leinster Rangers won the Leinster that time that he's a top manager yep look he's got a fantastic fantastic record Um, yesterday's match should have been before the Leinster final see I I don't really mind it having its own slot but the one thing I don't like about the McDonough Murph at this stage is that it's over on the 27th of May it feels like there's this massive race to get it played Mm. even after Division 2A and I think part of that is because of the preliminary quarterfinal like I'd be happy enough they dropped the preliminary quarterfinal thing out of it I think the incentive should be to win the McDonough in and of itself drop that Mm. and let a little bit more space to be there have two break weekends as opposed to one and let it stretch a little bit later than that and then you could have it before provincial final again yeah that does make sense um, and, and that is I think the key is actually just spreading it out because you know a good few weeks ago we were talking about awfully going was it um, eight matches in nine weeks something like this anyway and just it was so, it was so congested that yeah by pushing it out and joining it in and this is speaking from the point of view that like playing we played a junior football um, All-Ireland against uh, against New York before Dublin Kerry last year and part of the thing that made that day brilliant for us was Dublin and Kerry were going onto the pitch afterwards. And it's it's kind of something that is hard to describe for a team to say that, you know, the pitch you were playing on now in Crow Park and you go and you win and then turn around and also get to you get to have your few pints and watch uh, watch a team go afterwards then as well. There's an enjoyment in that and there's a an experience that you that you really can't have otherwise. But I actually remember those well in fairness, which is which is a, a gas one. I think it was back around when were Ireland last in the Euros. Well, I think it was around two thousand sixteen it might have been. What they were Ireland Euros in the bit Sweden. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That been around to sixteen. They I was Sweden, yeah. in, yeah. Well, I was in Dublin on the Monday. I think it was. I think it was a Monday they played Sweden, and uh, I was in Dublin. We were on there for playing uh, Dublin that Saturday in Port Leash, and I just went into. We were inside in around Temple Bar somewhere watching the Ireland Sweden match, and I'm fairly sure the Mayo lads were there. Mayo were after playing. I think in the Christie Ring. I think after winning it. Mm. and I met them and they were all heading to Portugal the following day so they said they'd stay in Dublin and they're having a few points so I've also witnessed the teams that when it's over and they get to plan with their cup to head off and go on their holidays and stuff as well but I'd agree with you no I would agree that um, if you play that Joe McDonough before the Len- or the day of the Leinster final I think that's a great card to have for the Joe McDonough final and again more bodies inside in Crow Park and Leinster final day how bad 
Yeah, I wouldn't be against this idea, by the way, from Danny Mack about the fact that Joe Mack should be on TV after seeing the match. I think the standard of that final uh, probably opened a lot of people's eyes to it. Maybe the fact it had its own slot and it was on RTE and kind of mm. there wasn't other hurling on. People went, oh, yeah, I'll tune in and have a look at this. Um, again, these games have been crazy the last few years. Jesus, we were talking about last year, Kerry and Offaly was a manic game. The win that Carlo got against Offaly, which is effectively a semi-final, was a, a crazy entertaining game. Uh, Leash and Carlo this year played out a really, really good draw at uh, Netwatch Dr. Cullen Park we had a draw between Carlo and Kerry it's a really competitive and really really good competition I think next year when you've got three rivals playing against each other when Westmead, Leash and Offaly are in the competition together and Kerry and either Derry or Mead next year's competition is going to be really really good I think there's a a strong argument to get more and more into it Um, before we go gentlemen and thanks a million for everyone who has joined along in the live stream we'll probably be going back to a a recorded one next week because Kel you've got a bit of business at Thurlis and I wouldn't want to be ripping you away from the minor earlers after potentially winning an All-Ireland final. Like, you're either going to be disappointed after the game or you're going to be on cloud nine. So I think Monday's a better call next week, Scal. Yeah, Monday or Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) I think it could be just me and you, Will. I'll just be in my picture of the tumbleweed going across the the screen. (laughs) What we'll get for you, Scal, we'll we'll get the the laptop down to the pub for you and we'll control your mic, though. So Will will just master control your mic and judge whether he should allow you back into the conversation. I think that's safe for everybody. Yeah, I'll come on to sing a song. That's fair enough. Feel the button right, yeah. We can probably go with that. And thanks, Will for everyone who's been uh, tuning in so last week's podcast by the way and I've said this two or three times in recent weeks was the most listened to podcast in the OTBGA feed in May so you know thanks a million for tuning in uh, we thought originally it was like ah, controversy other pods going behind a paywall um, that would have been a one week effect um, this has grown and grown throughout the championship so it's been fantastic it's about 13,000 views on the YouTube last week which is great around 200 likes so if you're watching at the moment you might just drop us a like on the YouTube it'll help other people to see it who maybe aren't watching us live at the moment uh, we'll be back next Monday for that but before that Ender Burke makes a good point so any thoughts on the regulation on the size of Hurley's and this also feeds into the potential hand pass rules. So anyone who didn't see this during the week, there's a whole lot of experimental rules that are going to be used, not in the Fitzgibbon or in the Sigerson, but they'll be trialed in the leagues in third level next year. But usually this is the way they look at potential changes further down. Regulations on the hurls, first of all, Scale, what do you think of them? I, I think it's about time because it's a, even if I go down to club training and I see a lot of, an awful lot of our players, their hurls are bigger than mine. And it's just like, I don't know. It, are you a frying pan boss kind of goalkeeper, by the way? No, no, I no. was when I was younger, right? Frying pan, the bigger the boss, the better. But as, as years passed and the ball got quicker, I said, I want to have a kind of a compact boss. And it was when I was watching Brendan Cummins before, like in like 09, 10, and I saw his boss, he looked, looked like he was using outfield hurley. Then I, then I got chatting him one day about it in the Pugfather, and he started to convince me as to the reason why. So I, I chose down to a, a kind of a small boss. Mine is... is you know it's a goalie hurl, but it nearly passes our field hurl these days. So I'm happy to see there's a bit of structure coming on hurls and sizes. Hmm. Uh, excellent. I love that uh, hurley and hurl debate is continuing on at the moment. It's a hurl. Uh, well, look, I, I saw a graphic the two Johnnies had up. Again, you know, cross-promotion of podcasts here, uh, where they were looking at the areas where it was hurl or hurley. And it was pretty much as I expected. So Munster, Hurley, across the board. Leinster, pretty much Hurl. Galway was Hurl. And then there was a pocket in what was uh, was called the Wilderness, I think, a few weeks ago uh, when Martin Fogarty was talking about promoting hurling outside the traditional counties, went to Hurley again for whatever reason. So, again, have your debate about Hurley. 
comments by the way i've in both of them there in reading the comment and saying it as well so whichever you prefer um what do you think about the handball or handball the hand pass change murph where they're looking at to try and make sure you don't do the flick out pass or the off the top of your hand pass you would have to use it in the use the hand that you haven't caught the ball with to pass it or you'd have to play it onto the hurl and then hand pass it so clearly they're trying to make this where referees will see a very clear striking motion because the motion becomes even more complex and it should be really clear to see but what do you think about that potential change yeah like i don't think it's a bad one to be fair like i mean uh, getting rid of the hand pass for example would be a a crazy call but Mm. like obviously making sure that you have to let's say change hands that that does on paper anyway make you think that okay there's going to be you know differentiation here would be able to tell for for definite the only thing that i would just say with that is and this is an unknown it's an unknown until you actually just go and do it is will a few more rocks happen because players will be scrambling to try and get the ball out maybe potentially i don't think it'll be as much of a factor um as other suggestions have been because there's been a few suggestions that seem a bit labored and doesn't feed into the I suppose the ethos of the game flowing and just being able to keep moving the ball so I'm not against it I don't think it's such a crazy call that we can't at least try it out um, yeah, like sometimes there's there's a habit here to to bring in rules that potentially or even suggest rules that you're just going why why are we suggesting that but no this isn't a bad one to suggest and I at the moment off the top of my head I don't see any major dramas with bringing it in and trying it out you know and to see what happens it might, a lot of good might come from it yeah, um, Tin Chun asking the question there, how will they enforce it? That's around the boss rule. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure if an official is going to go in and take a look and go, right, these are the dimensions. But maybe we get to a point when they have a look at this that'll be a bit like the slitters. You know, the way the smart slitters come in and they had to be manufactured to a certain type in order for them to be cleared. Maybe it'll get to a point where hurley makers will only be allowed to make a hurl that actually fits the dimensions that are allowed i don't know um we shall see but again it's interesting they're having a look at it because we're having all these arguments and definitely the idea of you know the equipment changing and getting better and players are also becoming stronger and the ball is floating more maybe it's time to go and have a look at it and see from there so there we go uh hurley munster leinster hurl we know what they are i'm talking about get over it do you know what that's the best explanation i've ever seen of this (laughs) Which is, which is which is more, more than fair enough, I think. Lads, it's been a pleasure again. Scale, the best of luck this weekend. Uh, I don't think I'll see you at Semple Stadium, but I'll be there and I'll be looking down at the minor game. I think this doubleheader, by the way, Scale, total off the beaten track, is the perfect way to do this. I'm not sure if it's going to fall every year because the 20s final had to move because yeah. of the players that were involved. But I actually really like the idea of having the 20s and the minors. Why not have Semple Stadium every year and block off the weekend after the provincials as the time it's on? Yeah, it's a great or even go a week earlier because I know it's a bit close to leaving surf but that's, when I find a weekend for it and play it in Semple it's great like and even get, getting the opportunity to play in, play in a stadium like Simple because you know one of the biggest things I ever taken from minor was the opportunity to play in Crow Park in the final that was one of the best things ever so to go back to Thurlis and play there it's great for them less, like it's, and it's a great opportunity and because Offaly are in the Trinity final and it's a bank holiday God knows how many people you're going to bring down all the place I'd say 
they're going to the busloads and busloads. There'll be 20,000 awfully people blowing it. Uh, I believe Glenesk are organising free yogurts. It's what they've done so far. It's the perfect way to attract the 16-year-olds to go to these games and they're going along to watch their mates anyway. Uh, the one thing that, that really stood out, again, a complete tangent here, but earlier today I got the, um, you know, the put submitted by the players for the programme. There are those little kind of factoids that they use within them. And pretty much all the Offaly players were asked about, like, you know, do you have any relation to teams that have gone by? And I would say of the panel of 30 that have put them in, about 25 of them, at least one of their relations has hurled for the county at some point. It's ridiculous, it's ridiculous how that kind of heritage carries through when it comes to these teams. And like, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to see what Cork do because Cork now have got a real free hit with their players who were involved that are eligible for under 20 because their season has now ended at senior level as well, which means why wouldn't you put them in? And I watched both those semi-finals the other week, Scale. Again, I'm not blowing Galway up at all because I thought Clare were really good as well. Um, I can't wait for this final. I think this is going to be a really good game of hurling. Mm-hmm. Not saying anything. No, that's fine. You don't think about it in the way, but I think it's going to be entertaining. That's my observer's view, entirely independent, having watched the two uh, semi-finals. So looking forward to well, that this weekend. This way, I think it's the two best teams going at it. I'd agree. Yes. Yeah. No, I definitely would. Again, I've only seen from the provincial finals on, so I can't judge if anyone was hard done by in a provincial semi-final. But from what I've seen, these are the, the best teams in the country right now. So, Murph, it might well be me and you next time round. Don't know if we'll make I'll see if I can get one of these where there's only two two of the windows cut out so we can, you know, have a chat together next week. Um, we'll probably be looking back on those games, I think, with very little hurling on next week. But um, we won't be live next week. That's the one announcement here. We will be going back to a, a Monday format, but I'll get up as soon as possible after we record. We'll see what kind of state scale is in. And we shall chat to you next week. And um, this is where I should probably find our way out of this. Thanks a million, lads. It's been a good one. So nice. OTB's The Hurling Pod With Board Gosh Energy Hurling, it's anyone's game <laughs>